<laughs> and the sun is a dying sunflower. That's pretty good, David. <laughs> nice. That's a, that's some pretty uh, decent Tom Waits. And, and isn't then, that what we all strive for? Pretty decent. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's the bar that we're shooting, shooting then, to go then, over. And the school was crumbling because there was no one to laugh at anymore. All the children were old men, <laughs> and, and the old men were chomping on cigars. Oh yeah, and the cigars were the women that they stepped on to be the men that they became. <laughs> and, this is all improv, folks. And the and Israel Palestine is an intractable problem. Do you remember when uh, uh, Tom Waits? Uh, wrote like I think it's, it's called like the road to Tel Aviv or something. It's like a eight minute song about Middle East relations. And no, no, I don't uh, no, think I was no. Aware of that. Yeah, I was not privy. Yeah, no. The the only part of it that I remember is where he sings something like "An Ariel Sharon is coming to town" or something like that. It's, <laughs> it's so fucking. Can you so um, turn channel two down just a little bit, Chris? Yeah, uh, yeah. David's clipping some. How's that? That's beautiful. Ariel Sharon is gone. <laughs> Man, remember that guy? No. Yeah, me either. <laughs> uh, hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 100. It's, it's here. We it's did here. it. We did it. We did it, team. Uh, pretty crazy, right? It is wild. Yeah. I, I think we're going to have to quit after this. Yeah, triple digits. I don't know. There's something about that that gives me, like, commitment anxiety. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> oh, shit. And people listen to this. Like, we got questions. We had somebody come up to us. Uh, Zach. Hey, yeah. Zach, if you're listening, it was very Hi. nice to meet you really at nice the event yesterday. You. And I think this might be the person who clued us into the belling cat problem. Maybe. Oh, yeah. I think yeah. it might be the same Zach. I'm not sure. Yeah, about. yeah. Um, but yeah, it's really great. We're really glad that you guys uh, listen to the show and enjoy it. I assume you enjoy it. I mean, you maybe hate listening, which is also fine and, yeah. and valid. Your your podcast habits are valid. But we're, uh, <laughs> we're, we're so glad that we still do this, right? Yeah. Are we glad? I'm sure. super glad. Okay. And I think that it's really great to have arbitrary uh, numerical milestones to, you know, be a, you know, reminder for reflection and celebration. Yeah. And I love the decimal system. You know, like big I, big fan. I was learning Base the other ten, so good. Yeah, I was learning the other day about how uh, the reason we have the metric system and the base ten, you know, uh, set of units for weights and measures and everything is because of the French Revolution. Yep, and that they did an entire. Uh, I don't know if we talked about this, but they did an entire um, time system. Yeah, in calendar. Decimal. Yeah, yeah, they had like a, a ten month calendar, ten weeks per month, ten days per week. 10 hours per day, 100 seconds per hour, and... And then just winter. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. was just like a time outside of time. <laughs> Relatable. But yeah, but yeah like, uh, it, it, that was the one thing that they did in terms of systems of uh, measure that did not catch on. Well, and that's... The reason for that is because of, like, the 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 movement of the planet both like on its axis and as it spins and as it rotates around other things mm -hmm. like the sun, it doesn't allow for a base. It's like not base 10 gravitational system. Yeah. Um, I do like a, a month named windy though. 
That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, that is nice. Yeah. And if you, uh, if you are interested in this, we have a ton of questions to get to, so we can't get into it. But uh, Google uh, International Fixed Calendar and the Kodak Company. Oh. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, keep it mysterious like that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I guess I'll Google that at the end of this episode. Yeah. 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 And uh, we talked uh, about uh, the, the Bellingcat thing. Um, yeah. Uh, we sang the praises of Bellingcat because there's a bunch of really great reporting by Bellingcat. But we are also uh, put on to two articles that talk about how Bellingcat's full of spooks. Yeah. It's fucking op, man. <laughs> Everything's an op. <laughs> Everything's a this, fucking this op. This podcast yeah. is an op. I'm an yeah. op. Yeah. David is definitely I an op. I am totally an op. <laughs> You know I'm an op because I keep calling other things ops. Yeah. yeah that's how you could tell. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm a tier one operator. Yeah. So, you know, who the fuck knows? Like, it's... It, there every, Everything is an op, yeah. That's, yeah. I think, all that needs to be said. It's, it's, like, it's very disappointing that uh, such a, like, useful um, journalistic outlet could could possibly be full of fucking cia bitches yeah, yeah it, in, in generally like you know the moral to take away from that is um view every source of information and or entertainment with extreme uh prejudice no and just gobble it up just, <laughs> open, just open wide and gobble that content yeah, up especially us <laughs> yeah because you don't yeah. know our agenda no you know and you like, shouldn't frankly yeah you know like uh maybe we weren't joking about daddy soros who knows <laughs> it's possible yeah I think we would probably drive a nicer car if we were being funded by Soros. <laughs> please do not, uh, uh, please do not cancel your Patreon subscription. Yes, uh, that was a joke. Patreon.com slash Ironweeds. Please support us. Patreon.com slash Ironweeds. Yeah, be our Soros. Yes, exactly. Be the Soros you want to see in the world. <laughs> Patreon.com slash Ironweeds. <laughs> so we have a ton of questions to get to, and we're just going to do them in no particular order. I think sounds good. That was the easiest for us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, let's start off with number one. What is your favorite local to the Capital District conspiracy theory? Okay, so I just heard one. All right, I got my hair cut. Uh, yeah. don't, don't worry, Mom, there's still some length to it. You're it looks great. great. Yeah. It looks yeah. very great. Thank you. All right. Uh, this is an audio medium, so you have to take our word for it. Um, so I, I was getting my hair cut. I'll, I'll keep this person anonymous due to the sensitive nature of this uh conspiracy theory yeah, absolutely want to respect but, their, their uh, privacy yeah and this is all alleged parody satire non-actionable non-actionable <laughs> because i just said it because i just said non-actionable if that's, you're how, not, that's it, how it works if you're non-actionable you they have to tell you <laughs> uh, uh um but it, that um a certain uh restaurateur that is very well known very out in front like everyone knows him or them i don't know their pronouns uh uh runs multiple restaurants that uh and bars uh that they might be part of like some sort of nixium affiliated comet ping pong like sex trafficking ring of like regular sex trafficked adults or is this like a a pedo ring it's it's close yeah yeah, like you're like you're you're asking like you're like you're like hit me you know you're doing a Matt Gates thing where it's like I did not talk to that woman until after her 18th birthday. <laughs> <laughs> and so so is it, it who else is it involved other than this uh, notorious uh, restaurant tour? It's a conspiracy. Oh man. Yeah. All right. I don't know. Uh yeah, probably yeah. every restaurant but, tour. But, Troy. Uh, yeah, but but here's the thing. So right like the only name I'll I'll give because like you know you're not gonna come after me. Come on, 
Kristen Gillibrand seem very interested in the Bradley. Wow. Think about it. Wow. Two, at least two interviews that she gave were at the Bradley. Wow. And it mentioned the Bradley every single time. Like, that's like the Wall Street Journal. Like, the Wall Street Journal's talking about, like, our dive bar theme dive bar. Yeah, was there a lot of talk of cheese pizza, even though it's not made there? No, I don't think so. Oh. No. But there was a lot of mention of uh, Christian Gillibrand's favorite drink, which is wild turkey honey. Wow. Which, uh, you know. Pretty sus. WT honey was white teenagers honey. White teenagers drizzled with honey. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Think about it. Wow. Wow. That's That's a spicy one. Yeah. That's a spicy one. So, uh, you know, Vic, I know you're a long-time listener. We support you. (laughs) Uh, I I don't know if it was about Vic or not. No? No, I don't. No, you don't know. Just some other uh, extremely prominent... Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Local restaurateur. Chris Um, Vickstifer. What's my favorite one? I mean, like, the one that I think the most about is that the, uh, which which is true, because there's, you know, an abundance of evidence, um, and when I've tried to go after the people individually, they have very little to answer for it, but the my favorite local conspiracy theory is the continuing cover-up of the murder of Ed's and Thevenin. Yeah, right. And yeah, the fact yeah. that, like, that yeah, that's is, not a theory. That's it, just a conspiracy. It's a yeah. conspiracy. Yeah. And yeah. there's lots of uh, theories as to how and why uh, it's continuing. Right. And it's, that everybody, it's a lawsuit. It's this, it's... Yeah. It's pretty straightforward. There the city is currently in litigation. Yeah. And if they admit to wrongdoing the city, it could cost the city millions of dollars. And so they're not gonna do that. It just seems like the the obvious moral thing is to uh tell the truth about it. So I guess the the the, the theories I have as to why people won't do that that I otherwise think they are, think they're protecting the city from a massive multi million dollar lawsuit. Yeah. Which they are. Like you know, you have to grapple yourself as an individual who represents the city on the, you know, as a city councilor, whether or not what is more important to you, the truth or saving the city millions of dollars. The truth. Well, I mean, <laughs> when you're a city councilor, you have a fiduciary responsibility to yeah. the city. Like, well, you know, it's you just know, like it's kind of, yeah, I, it, I hate it too, Yeah, but it's their job. Frankly. I hear you. Like, I hear you. That's, uh, that's what their job is, is to protect the city. Yeah, but it's also to protect the citizens. And, uh, well, y- you know, and like there's, when, when it comes to something of like this gravity of uh, malfeasance and like, you know, lying and obfuscation and everything and like everybody toes the line. Like, that's fucked up, because, you know, you'd like to think that in a group of, like, eight or nine people, that, like, someone would do the right thing. Yeah. And I guess, you know, I don't know, like, fuck it. <laughs> the solution All is right. to hire more cops. Yeah, always. It always yeah. is. How about, how about you, Brittany? What's your, what's your favorite? I don't really, you know, I don't, I don't know if I have one. I guess I, I could have made one up, but I didn't have time, <laughs> because I didn't know we had this question until just now. Um, you can't pick among... You know, these are your children, conspiracy theories. Yeah. Well, I'm th- like Capital District conspiracy theory specifically is tough for me. Yeah. Um, I mean, like upstate New York, we could say um, uh, Lyme disease, right? I mean, yeah, I think the Lyme disease one is probably, that's a, that's a way throwback to like our third yeah third episode or something yeah, the, um, the real weed heads you yeah. know uh, yeah if you've been around for two fucking years listening to the show <laughs> yeah um, what, what we is, love what, you what was that episode called like you are not a dorito i think 
It's something like that. It was way back when we realized Muncho. That. Muncho. 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 Yeah, that's what it was. So. Yeah. Yes, because yes. if had we done it now, we would have named it after something about fucking Lyme disease so you could go find it. <laughs> well, we didn't know but, what we were doing. Yeah, we back didn't know then. what we were doing. And we still don't. Nope. Not even um, a little bit. But yeah, that basically Lyme disease is a government it's like a government developed bioweapon. Um weaponized ticks. I think yeah. it might have been called weaponized ticks. No, 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 no it was you're not a muncher. You are okay. not a muncher. But, but, <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> but the the art the art associated was a tick. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um. Okay. Next question. Uh, GF and I are signing a lease in South Troy, June 15. Think we'd be able to vote for Kiani with leases in two different districts? So, uh, you can vote if you are registered to vote at that address. That's pretty much how it works. Uh, you will not be able to vote in the primary. I think it's too late for that. But uh, you would be able to vote in the general if you register to vote at that address. Yep. And you can vote in a district you no longer live in legally because that happens to be the one that's on file with the um, uh, Board of Elections. So if you have moved residences, but the Board of Elections has your residence as your previous location, you're not breaking the law by voting in that election. Yeah, you can go vote in the district where you are currently registered, registered to vote yeah. if you've recently moved. I think, I don't remember exactly how, what timeline they require for you to re-register at a new address, but if you've moved recently, you can still vote where, wherever you have been living. And, and, and if someone does say that, some, a poll worker like gives you guff and says, like, you cannot vote here, uh, you should request a provisional ballot. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, it's a last case scenario, but... Uh, uh, you know, if if nothing is working, uh, uh, you 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 are entitled to a provisional ballot, which basically means that, like, you know, it's a regu- It looks like a regular ballot, but they're going to hold on to it until like it's really close or something, yeah. and they'll count it. But could they change their address now with the BOE and vote in the primary? Do you know? I don't think so. I, I think, think it's no, too late. Yeah, yeah they have, late. like, really long, like, yeah. uh, timelines. I actually for... think the deadline was, like, a week ago, maybe. Oh, I yeah. should probably have these dates memorized, but I don't, because I'm not very good at that. <laughs> you're, you're doing a lot. You're, yeah. you're, you're, a lot you've, you've got a lot memorized. Yeah. Uh, you know, don't beat yourself up. Um, yeah, uh, so that's our advice. Vote uh, in the district you were last on record with the Board of Elections. And change your... And change your uh, your shit so you can vote in the general for Keani. Although I don't even know if we're going to have a Republican challenger. So yeah, we'll see. it'll be Carrie. It'll be- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, oh man, I had a spicy take come across my timeline and it was from like a, uh, a an anarchist and they were talking about, they always how, have the spicy takes and they were talking about how, if you vote, you're complicit in all of the violence mm-hmm. that goes on in our fucked up society. And mm, like heard that one, that's just dumb. It's just like you, yeah, you sure participate in society. Like, yeah, you, like you are you're complicit either way. And like voting does not like um give the state any more power than it had without you voting. Like it is a system that you can take advantage of and um it, it which is to say like you know um I'm I'm for an all of the above option uh, for uh, community action as yeah. an anarchist. Um, and if you can vote someone in your city council that's way less shitty than someone else, uh, by all means, do it. Like because I, mean, I think it's totally fine to abstain from voting as a mode yeah, of politics. Sure. If that's yeah. your politics, you you believe that sure. that's fine. Carmela but- Mantello won by like five votes though. Yeah. So I just want to point out that like 
if five people who took the principled stance of not, you know, getting their hands dirty by, you know, giving fucking consent in the city, like we probably would have had a lot of good decisions happen. A lot of better, yeah. Fewer bad things would have happened. She lost by a small margin, like two elections ago. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. She fucking wiped the floor with David. Bissam. With David Bissam, right yeah, now. Yeah, that, that was that was unfortunate. That was fairly unfortunate. Um, okay, for Chris, what is it like being an engineer with left politics? I'm an EE electrical engineer. Yep, that's uh, what that is. And all my coworkers are chuds, sad face. Oh, man. Um, yeah. Uh, Electrocute them. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> no, don't. No, don't do that. Uh, yeah, I totally get the reason for this question. Um, I'll, I'll sort of give a, a quick spiel on it. Um, I am... A leftist because I think I'm an engineer, maybe. Uh, I've been an engineer ever since I was like a child. It's just sort of the way I view the world and, and interact with it. Um, but at the same time, the systems thinking approach has led me to become more and more aware of how fucked up the systems are in this world. And so engineers have to really sort of understand the cause and effect and sort of like the uh, particular mechanisms by which stuff gets done in order to be a good engineer. And that often translates into a way of looking at the world and understanding power relationships and understanding just the mechanisms by which this fucked up inegalitarian society exists and like why that's bad. And I guess the thing about why it's bad might be the missing link in a lot of chud engineers because they often don't um, view, uh, I don't know, like life and people as worthwhile <laughs> and right. uh, it like something that uh, is good, like society's good actually, and that like we should take care of each other. Um, but I've been blessed enough as an engineer to find a couple positions that aren't horrible, which is to say like, if I had to give an opinion on the majority of the engineering work done in American society, it's thumbs down, yeah. which is like, no, the, no bueno. like there's a lot <laughs> of stuff start. we do that we shouldn't do. And there's a lot of engineering involved in the military industrial complex, in the extractive uh, and, you know, like ecocidal um, uh, development and energy systems uh, projects. Like, and what engineering is at the end of the day is solving problems, but within capitalism, it's solving capitalists problems, which almost exclusively are you know end up being helping the capitalists exploit workers or the environment better more faster like etc cheaper yeah and so uh finding a position where i'm solving problems and using you know my systems thinking approach uh but not for evil is actually tricky and the opportunities are few and far between i've been blessed enough though to work at two companies in upstate new york that I didn't think were evil and don't think are evil. Um, and I've in those companies been around a lot of really good conscientious people who end up there for similar reasons. So that being said, I don't actually have a lot of conflict with most of the engineers in my uh, world. Um, and I guess like, you know, just sort of use engineering uh, metaphors to help these other chud engineers just understand how fucked up the world that they love and support is and the make them believe that they can change it in the same way that they believe that they can change, you know, mechanical and electrical systems. Like it's, 
it as uh, my uh, engineering coworker has a shirt. It's not rocket surgery. Um, and so <laughs> I don't know. I can't help but wonder what it is about, like, why are so many chuds or so many engineers chuds? And maybe a lot of chuds are engineers too. Like, what is it? Is it that the field draws reactionaries to it? Is it that, like, I, I've, I've tried to, you know, because we all here went to mm-hmm, an engineering mm-hmm. school and I worked with a lot of, I, I was not an engineering student, but I mm-hmm. worked with a lot of them. And they tend to be very, like, right wing. Um, or 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 at least opposed to progressivism. It was my experience teaching those concepts to students. Mm. Not all of them, obviously, but a lot of them. And I've always wondered, like, why that is. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of things. I think that one is the separation of STEM and humanities that happens, you know, like in our educational, like, siloing. Like, people go on a STEM path and other people go on a humanities path. And I happen to, like, sort of bounce between the two like throughout my college and high school experience. Um, and that when you don't study the humanities, um, you maybe don't develop as much of a sense of humanity. I don't know. Um, yeah. And then beyond that, like the sticks and carrots of our capitalist system um, are such that, uh, you know, a lot of people enter engineering because it's lucrative. Right. And um, that's what I've always thought is, is it's, People who want to make money yeah, go into I, engineering and people who want to make money and then there's also, generally favor a system that allows them to make money. <laughs> yeah. And there's also, you know, uh, baked into that a whole bunch of like value system stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Like we in, you know, STEM value these sort of like objective things, right? Um, like efficiency and, you know, physics and like mathematics and like all the stuff that doesn't have a lot of like... Um, debate around it in terms of like morals or like what things are. Uh, and that I think the people that gravitate toward that are what Alan Watts would call prickly people, you know, that they see things like with a granularity and a, you know, particularity that allows them to sort of leapfrog in their own head over the moral, um, uh, quandaries that constantly surround us. Mm-hmm. And so like, you know, th- they dislike uh, gooey people, as Alan Watts would say, like people that see things like it's all energy. And like, you know, really the problem is that there's too much hate. Like, you know, like that's a very gooey uh, person statement. And engineers are very like, no, it's it's these particular things and these incentive structures and blah, 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 you know, like, and uh, I think that when you get someone who's as self-assured often as engineers tend to be, as well as a demographic, I mean, like, let's just be honest. Um, You end up with a lot of people that self-justify their place in society, especially in terms of, like, the lucrative nature of it, and Mm -hmm. see it as a meritocratic system as opposed to a system that is based on exploitation and, um, you know, capital accumulation and their relative um, ability to help capitalists in those goals being the real reason that they're socioeconomically uh, in a like hierarchical rung above um, the majority of the rest of society. Yeah. Um, and so I think that, you know, people's own narratives uh, feed into this a lot. And, you know, at the end of the day, like people have to be the heroes in their own narratives. Otherwise they develop a lot of neuroses. And so, you know, people who find themselves like being raised in, you know, a, Society such as ours, and then, you know, getting a job with, like, say, six-figure income, and then they look at all of the problems in the world, and they're like, you know what? People just aren't working hard enough. Yeah. You know, they're just 
they're not willing they're not willing to you know put in the 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 effort that i was and that that makes me a better person and um yeah uh, if i had to guess that's a good answer that's a good answer i think yeah yeah I, but it's I, wrong I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I i i've written about this a lot um and there uh one thing i'd point toward is i, I have a piece in the baffler that's a couple of years old now called uh engineered for dystopia that was a controversial one. Yeah, that was a controversial one. It's very one. good, though. Yeah, and in that one, it's a, um, I rely a lot on this uh, really thin volume called, a really unfortunate title called Engineers of Jihad. Um, <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Are you talking about, like, ISIS uh, people hacking robots and dropping munitions on people? Or? Unfortunately, no. No, no that, that sounds cooler. No, no, the book is about um, the relationship of engineers to right-wing extremism uh-huh. and how, uh, and, and it does it does the thesis of the book a great disservice by calling it that because it's not just Islamic extremism, scare quotes around that entire idea, but it's uh, the um, uh, across the board for most of the 20th century, like you were saying, Chris, like, you know, this is a field that I would say it's not like uh, naturally, you know, devoid of politics and ethics because clearly like building things has an ethical dimension to it. Oh, sure. Right? Yeah. You know, um, uh, but it, it is a field that, by historical circumstance, has been kind of uh, 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 designed such that you can outsource or, or um, externalize a lot of ethical thinking, mm-hmm. right? And um, because it is a thing, uh, like you said, you know, like a, a field f- for capitalists to make their things, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, but, and, but you do find that, you know, everything from the Nazis to, uh, um, uh, right-wing, uh, junta groups that the U.S. installs in South America, um, and a lot of, uh, Islamic extremists, again, scare quotes, because, you know, like, the, we, we, it's a, it's a dubious unity, uh, all of them way over-represent engineers, Mm. in uh compared to like the population that they say that they derive their mm-hmm. kind of moral authority from so um that really uh, that that just is to tell you that dear listener that you know you're not alone like that yeah your yeah, your your analysis is is right on that yep. like this is a a, a right wing field um and yeah and, and they 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 even they're the the two authors of that book that I, i'm not recalling um can't put their finger on why this is the case. They they because it's either um people are attracted to the field that are already think like that, or the field itself makes you think like that if you didn't already think like it's that. It's probably brought both. It, yeah. It's probably you know? a little bit of both. Because yeah. also one other thing that we didn't touch on is that, you know, if you look at engineering education, which we've all experienced in on this show, um, either as doing the teaching or being taught, is that um a lot of that being taught is like being told like how to work in an organization that is very bureaucratic and hierarchical Mm -hmm. and that sort of um so if someone in authority early on in your education says like the most ethical thing you can do is make sure that the precision guided bomb works (laughs) right yeah yeah and like or the nuke and it's and it's up to the politician to say who gets nuked and you know then like then you did the right thing and like you know that's that's a that sounds really really nice because then it means that you can make your six-figure salary uh at northrop grubman and also by the way the human uh human rights 
count, uh, council right, HRC, uh, says that they're really great for LGBTQ rights. So, like, they're really good <laughs> company to work for. They're very woke, right? Yeah. And, like, then it's fine. You have no moral quandaries, right? Yeah. So, like, that we, it's, it, and right, but, like, like I think the nice cap on it is that, like, this is not, like, a inherent to the discipline. It yes. is a very, very well-designed discipline by capitalists that, uh, understands that they need a lot of human labor that is very rarefied and well uh, trained, but it also has to be very loyal. Yes. Yeah. I, I have one more sort of clothing set of thoughts on this really quickly, and then we can move on. Um, one is that the worst things that have ever been done by humans have primarily been engineering feats, whether it's like the Holocaust and like the body elevator and the gas chambers and like all of the things that were done, these were done by engineers. These were people that like were extremely educated, extremely self-confident, capable of doing things, nuclear, nuclear weapons, you know, like some of the brightest minds that have ever existed, like developed systems that could just existentially end our entire species civilization and most of the mammalian life on earth. Also um, done kind of by Nazis. Research uh, Operation Paperclip. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, and what I have to say as a closing thought is the solving of our problems, our social problems, including the climate crisis, including the environmental crisis, including building systems to provide for human need and reorienting humans' relationship to each other and nature are also going to be primarily engineering feats. This is something that cannot be done without a social revolution, but it is something that cannot be done by a social revolution itself. And that when you look at, say, the French Revolution, they, you know, invented the guillotine, and then guillotined, like, thousands of them themselves, and like mostly revolutionaries were guillotined. Um, but they well, the, also... Well, the wrong kind of revolutionaries, though. Yeah, right. they, yeah, yeah. they yeah. also That's invented the metric yeah. system. Yeah. And they also invented, like, a ton of other stuff. And, like, I guess my point is, you know, just understand the power that you have as an engineer and your capability of influencing the society around you. And, like, let other engineers know how powerful they are and that the future is unwritten and that if they use their gifts for good, then, you know, like, a lot of good could be done. Yeah. All right. And we're back. Yeah. Let's do a quick one. We have so many fucking questions, you guys. Okay, quick one. How do you guys make the first step to making change in your community? All right, on three. One, One, two, two, three. three. Join Join an organization. organization. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's really the only way to do it. I mean, there's not a lot else. You can't do anything by yourself. Yep. Um, Very little. In in all likelihood, any organization near you, hopefully there is one near you, uh, will be imperfect. And needs help. And you can maybe help make it better. Yeah, specifically Maybe you can make you. it worse. Who knows? Give it a try, though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, just, you go to this organization, you say, I listen to this show called Ironweeds, and I have all the right answers. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Find your local, like, you know, DSA chapter or whatever other yeah. left organization is near you. Yeah. Um, and, you know, DSA is not perfect. Like, it's, yeah, absolutely it's, not. And some chapters are better than others. For example, ours is, like, really, really good. good. But, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah, they can't. They can't all be winners. It took a bunch of people to make it good. Yep. So. Yeah. yeah. So you know, you, you have something that they don't. That's that's just going to be true. So, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, join an organization. Join your union. Yeah. Make a union. And join a union if you can. Yeah. If you can, I yeah. wish I could join yeah. a union. Yeah. And if you're extremely concerned about you know climate change and the fact that it's going to destroy civilization as well as the rest of the ecosystem, uh, and you think that extinction rebellion is some wack lib bullshit, I don't know. Maybe like go and talk to them. 
Maybe like I mean, actually involve bullshit, but oh, you no should doubt. go talk to them. Yeah, maybe you should try to radicalize them into some type of revolutionary cadre. Yeah, who knows? That would be maybe, pretty cool. Who knows? You might you might just be that that kick in the butt that they really need. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, good question. Thank you. I do I do think that that is the number one answer though. Join an uh, Absolutely. What is your opinion on Rochester, New York? Asking as a recent RIT grad. Oh, man. No. I've, 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 I have yeah. no opinion on I don't think I've ever even been to Rochester. I've, I've never been. I've never had the pleasure. I hear good things. I've heard great um, things. Yeah. So we're not going to uh, hate on them. They're not upstate, though. They're not upstate. They're Sorry, west. Rochester. Yeah, you guys are west. West New York. West. Um, Maybe central. Yeah. It might be um, central, yeah. And, but yeah, um, I'll tell you what. I'm going to give you a cue to your cue. What's your opinion of <laughs> Rochester, New York, as an RIT grad? Um, yeah. We'd actually like to know, because we don't really travel that far. I mean, I'm a bicyclist and motorcyclist, so I stay pretty local. I'm a hermit, so I don't go anywhere. <laughs> I've, I've heard uh, good things about RIT. Yeah. It's a good organization. We yeah, knew somebody who yeah. went to RIT, I yeah. think. Yeah, yeah, yeah not, I knew a couple. Not, not, a, RIT. not a bad institution. Okay, Blink-182 alignment. <laughs> Which I'm lead host is Mark, Tom, and Travis. Uh, and okay. I listened to Blink-182 every fucking day for like two years when I was a teenager. And I will tell you right now, I do not know which is which. I'm a two. I cannot remember. <laughs> I cannot remember. All right, Travis, which is which. Travis is the drummer. He's, I remember yeah, that. He's very hot. Uh, very Mark old. is Mark Hoppus, right? I yeah, think. he's the lead singer. And he's, bassist, I want to say. Maybe. I don't really know. He was the kind of like... Like, Tom was the more, like, whinier. He did, like, the whinier voice, I think. Oh, the small thing. I mean, they all have whiny voices, but, like... Uh, so... I'm a two. What does two? that mean? I don't know. It's 182. I don't okay. Oh, okay. I'm just no, that's, that's good. Um, what, do you know what the band name means? I used to know at some yeah, point. Okay. I, th- I don't, I don't remember what it is anymore, though. I, I don't either. I'm not going to look it up. I, I always imagined it as like somebody who was doing like a, a 180, but they did like overturn just okay. a little bit, but then yeah. they could correct it and say so they didn't eat shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I don't it know. all happens so, in the blink of an eye. Was it Mark the one that, that did um, the To the Stars Academy? I'll be honest. I, or whatever I have about no the, uh, the, oh, the, the alien I conspiracy. I think it's Tom. Okay. So I think by that nature, mm. Brittany's Tom. Yeah. That's a good um, point. Okay, yeah. Yeah, uh, Tom DeLong. I'll 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 be the the leftovers. Well, I, I you're you're like the coolest looking, especially <laughs> with that new haircut. So I'm putting you with Travis. And I think that leaves me with Mark, right? All right. And I plus yeah. I, I think Mark plays bass and I play bass. Oh so, yeah, there we go. There we go. All right. That was easy. Well, we have figured it out, folks. Um Blink 182. I'm just looking at I'm just looking up for uh what what the what the name means? But Blink eighteen two. Did you just say eighteen <laughs> two? Yeah. What's the, what's the eighth what, letter in the what alphabet? What the fuck does that mean? One eight two eighteen yeah. two. Yeah, but do do people do normal people call well, it Blink eighteen two? No, I don't think so. Okay, but good. Uh, that would be weird. Tom DeLong explained to James Corden mm. that uh, Blink one eighty two's name is pronounced Blink eighteen two. Are you fucking um, kidding? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Has everyone uh, been getting it wrong this entire No, he's time? just gaslighting us. <laughs> <laughs> this is like the M- the Mandela effect. Yeah. All right, I'm not going to read this whole fucking no, article. I don't no. know what the name is about. Um, right in, let us know. But <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> okay, so that's us. Uh, which crush should I be most ashamed of? 
David, I know what crush yeah. you should be ashamed Absolutely. of. Absolutely. Yeah. No, out me. Fine. Do Elizabeth it. Holmes. Yeah. <laughs> it's the crazy eyes. <laughs> and, and the obsession with blood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gets um, me every time. I think mine's Marjorie Taylor Greene. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just that flop. She's very hot. That fish flop. Yeah. Mm. It, it does stuff to me. I don't know. Yeah. But I, I can... <laughs> <laughs> also, crazy eyes. We're a fan of crazy eyes on this podcast. Which which crush am I supposed to be? Mm, I know one. I've got some awful yeah. crushes. Uh, yeah, yeah, I got some bad ones. Well, the qu- the questions phrase. Which, which crush should you be ashamed and of? And honestly, dude, I don't think you should be ashamed of any crush, no matter what. Feelings are something that happen to you, and not something you're responsible for, and you don't need to be held accountable for the way you feel. <laughs> <laughs> now, actions, on the other hand, yeah. Don't act on your crush on, on Joseph Mengele, you know, don't. Um, what about you, though? What's your, what's your most problematic crush, Brittany? Uh, I need a second to think about it. Yeah, yeah. Dave Matthews. Oh, probably Dave Matthews. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's my most problematic uh, musical taste is probably Dave Matthews. I know, it's awful. Whatever, it's write to me, that, I don't give a shit. It, I, I, I think you... you People got to forgive themselves more for liking uh, music, you know, like. And TV. What's wrong with Dave Matthews? Like, there's nothing wrong with Dave Matthews. I don't know. I think he's great. I think the only thing that's wrong with him is that his tour bus, like, dumped a bunch of literal shit on some ferry goers in Chicago. (laughs) Yeah, but I don't think they they didn't seem very, like, sorry about it. Well, he's a busy guy. He's got a lot to do. Yeah. Plus, that's famous people's shit. Some yeah, people are yeah, into that. Yeah, some people are into um, it. At least one person on that family was into it. <laughs> At least one, just by numbers. Or they found out that they're into it. I used to have a thing for Good Sarah for Palin. That might be... Yeah, yeah. All right, uh, yeah. Th- there you go. All right. Yeah. All right. All the um, dirty laundry aired out. <laughs> there you go. Look, I'm attracted to everybody, all right? Yeah. Um, you, you can't blackmail us now because it's on the show. So. <laughs> Uh, this is a good one. Where do you hope to be after the next hundred episodes, both as individuals, personally, and collectively as a podcast? Rich so that's as roughly, fuck. That's, yeah. <laughs> it's rolling in. Yeah, that's not like I've, I've um, invested I $25 in Bitcoin <laughs> and Dogecoin. I'm going to be set. Hell yeah, dude. Uh, so that's in roughly two years. Yeah. Where would I like to be in two years? I would like my podcast to be more successful. Yeah. I hope reaction is a phenomena. Yeah. I don't, it's not, I hope so too. It's well on their, on its way, which is to say that primarily what gets things to become legendary is the quality. Yeah. I and, just need some more attention to it. Yeah. And we're going to figure that out. Actually, if, if you're listening to this and you know anything about marketing or like promotion, and you're willing to do it entirely for free, then please uh, get at us because yeah, that is, I think, our missing link. Oh, yeah. Um, but I think, like, what I would really like is a very robust, like, in two years, I would love to see Troy DSA, like, double the size and, like, very robust and working, like, lots of successful projects. I want to see us have two people on the city council at least. Like, I, re- I really want there to be, like, a vibrant socialist culture and movement in troy that's my i think we're well on our way with that too. i I think so too yeah absolutely yeah no i i don't want to uh do the like the sidestep that um it's the one thing that unites chapo and the daily show it's like (laughs) they both say like oh man this isn't politics this is just like jokes and hanging out with your friends and like 
I can't be held responsible for anything that happens. Like, don't look to me for political inspiration. And I was like, well, I mean, like, it sounds like like you're full of yourself. You're like, look to me for political inspiration, right? But and and like, we shouldn't be the only thing you look to for for certain. But I mean, like, I mean, like this. I take political inspiration from every person who's politically engaged that I know. Yeah, correct. That's a little absurd. Yeah. Yeah. So I I, I hope that, you know, in two years, like this. Not from the Chapo guys, but everything else. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I shouldn't be shitting on another podcast. So, so like, I I hope that, you know, like in in another two years, that like this has reached some people to do something and that, uh, uh, it becomes part of a larger constellation of what's come going on up here mm-hmm. and that we help get all these uh, New York city people that are transplanting up here to like get them in line. If, if they're, if they get, if they stay, <laughs> they you need know, to bow down. Then, yeah. Like, then like, you gotta, you gotta, you're listen, a fucking visitor here, you gotta dude. listen to our opinions oh, and man. validate them. Oh, and man. like, you know, you know, get, get, get and I don't want to hear how it's different in the city. I, I don't, don't, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Like, you know cool, what? Go yeah, back, yeah. It's different in the city. And you know what? That's, and now you're up here because something, whatever was different down there wasn't working out <laughs> yeah yeah though so, I, I did i do have to say i went to the whiskey pickle which uh, was described to me was it good it was described to me as like you know like a brooklyn thing but it was nice it was it was it was very straightforward it was a bar it was it wasn't trying to be is it like else. a liquor bar or they sell uh, beer no, too? actually i got for four dollars which was extremely reasonable uh, reasonable yeah. it was a uh so it was a, a utica club with pickle juice and hot sauce in it or nice. something. it was really nice it was you know it's a full pint yeah. it's not like a, sh- a shooter or something it, yeah. it had a pickle like right in it nice. it was that delicious. really good it was really yeah. good I, I i like pickle backs which is yeah. a shot of pickle juice after a shot of liquor as a chaser jameson typically yeah, yeah. and that's fucking dope so i'll yeah. probably check that place out when i was um, bartending people would always ask for pickle do you have pickle backs no i don't have pickle juice and they would be they would be utterly shocked they'd be like i have some olive juice would you like some olive juice that I use in the martinis? Yeah. Oh, sorry, we don't have pickle juice. Yeah, oh. yeah. Olive back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you make that. You could, olive you, you back. Just, yeah, you could, could make just, that a thing. You yeah, could yeah, just yeah. made that a thing, and they, uh, they'd be like the only place in Troy that offers. Uh, yeah, that's, that's the sign. That's what the yeah. sign has to be. Is like the 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 home of the original olive back. <laughs> And they're like, "Wow, this is the first place that does those." Yeah, you could, you could. Oh uh, yeah, no, I've heard of them before. Yeah, you could yeah. do a, a graphic of like olive oil from Popeye, but like yeah. her back. Yeah, and there you go. And she's is like, she, is she thick? Uh, no, no, she's not, extremely she's, skinny. She's extremely yeah, not extremely yeah. Skinny, yeah. But we yeah. could make her thick. Yeah, we, and she's like could. looking back, kind of <laughs> sultry at you. Yeah, yeah. All right, this has really destroyed uh, so many childhood memories. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay, so, yeah. so that's where we want to be in two years. Yeah, is in... like a sexy, thick olive. Yeah, that's trying to get you drunk. That's, yeah, that's uh, where we are going to take you in two years from now. Jeez. Um, well, with my job, I hope we're like at a scale that we're like actually making a meaningful impact at displacing factory farmed pork. Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. That'd be really cool. um, so that's like a personal thing. I'm like really looking forward to the because that has like a real trajectory that we like must hit to survive. Yeah, and, and, and that's and whereas that's, like this we could we could make this go forever. Just this, you know, theoretically. But, yeah. yeah. Um. Uh, what, what what specific pork product are you trying to replace? Bacon, bacon right? Yeah. Wow. F- faking the bacon. That's, yeah, that's that would be the sloganeering I'm doing. If yeah. you can make convincing good bacon, yeah. it, it, we already Sorry. can. There's yeah. still yeah. like a lot of people out there are going to be like, yeah. "Fuck that other pig." Yeah. Um, <laughs> but like, I, I would really like to eat a. I'm trying to get away from pork. Yeah, yeah. We eat almost no pork yeah, now, yeah. except occasion. The only pork that I ever eat is occasionally bacon or sausage, yeah. pepperoni, and pepperoni. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Make it make it make a good fake pepperoni. That'd be nice. It's just mostly all seasoning anyway. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, the uh, you know, so just like take that and go with it. You know, like take. It. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're welcome. Well, yeah. No, no but uh, um, uh, bacon. I think it, like the consumer price index is like it's like used cars and bacon. Yeah, like in terms the two inflation, things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just like going nuts right now. Um. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. This whole ransomware thing, man. Like, yeah. we're, we're gonna have to talk about that in the bonus or whatever, because like it is getting the goods in a way it's like actually disrupting like some fucked up industries and yeah. like i don't know if like anonymous is by i mean everyone's blaming the russians but they blame russians for everything i think that um, the the but i do think that they are from russia like, probably yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. you know, you know yeah. like I don't think I, they're like they're not state actors or anything but yeah it's just interesting that the two things they targeted was gasoline pipeline and factory farmed pork and beef that's yeah. interesting. It, it is. is. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the two things that it have been, you know, notoriously ransomware into like serious, you know, disruption. It's yeah. the things um, we can't live without. Yeah, Gotta or, give me that gas and that pork. Yeah, yeah. And like the things we probably should live without. The two things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah. So in terms of the podcast, though, I would very much like us to, um, you know, continue growing the, our listenership. And, um, you know, people are writing in all the time telling us how we've eclipsed a lot of other left wing podcasts in their pantheon and that they're like, you know, where are their new favorite podcasts, which is like extremely touching. Yeah. Um, that's really sweet. And, you know, we do no promotion like at all like we don't do advertisement we don't like and so everything's word of mouth and so that's cool and like yeah. i don't know like i think the real you know the real uh thing was about the friends we made along the way yeah, yeah. yeah. i made a lot of friends through this podcast with just listeners and yeah. So, seriously yeah. yeah like i'd like to just keep that going i'd years. also like more patrons yeah patreon.com yeah i oh, okay yeah <laughs> that's the thing if i actually had a goal over the next you know 100 episodes it would be to get Brittany a living wage and higher than that such that the entire progress of doing all of the painstaking editing and you know just like amazing production on iron weeds has been paid a living wage for its entire uh you know like backpack, backpack. You, want, you want backpack yeah, yeah. like yeah. That would be it, great. it would be great but, yeah. and and i think it's possible I really do, you know, like we have, we yeah. get, we get some pretty good guests. Like if you haven't uh, listened to it, I really listened to the Vermin uh, episode the other day. I think it's like 39 or something. And that was great. And that was like fun. And I think we, yeah, that I, was fun. I need to reach out to more celebrities, I think, to try to get more ear, ears uh, on this yeah. thing. I, 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 I simultaneously do and do not want attention. Yeah. <laughs> That's sort of the constant state of being yeah, that I right. find myself in. You have in. two wolves inside look of you. Look at me. Don't look at me. Yeah. <laughs> you have two wolves inside of you. One one that is um, All Eyes on, on Me by Bo Burnham. And the other uh, is, I don't know, just like alone. Yeah. Like, and yeah. wants to be left alone. Leave me alone. Don't look yeah. at me. I, uh, um, I, I never know if anyone wants to be like... Uh, out like you know in the same vein I, don't, I never know if anyone wants to be outed so i won't say their name but i was uh, yesterday talking to someone who was like i, I listened to do not eat uh, or like watch their their like, oh yeah, their podcast. yeah yeah and like all of a sudden like i saw like your name talking to me like on it i was like what no that's a, and, but it but it was you and like that was weird it was like so yeah we we do have like a lot of good yeah we've had a lot of guests a lot of good yeah. guests yeah. and like we go on other shows yeah. and and then we have some pretty good gets coming up too yeah we do. i'm pretty yeah, a little, yeah little teaser for you yeah. yeah some some good ones yeah so um, yeah uh uh so yeah yeah like it, so yeah again like two years put a cap on this is like 
you know, uh, living wage for doing this. I, I only have one more year contract uh, with uh, with SUNY. I don't know if that's going to keep going. Yeah, so. we're about yeah. to be real fucking broke. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> like, we'll just, you know, Hopefully not. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, yeah. would love to turn this into a thing. But the book, the book is coming. Hell so, like, yeah. If there's it's any coming. way that the book could dovetail with like this the dumb shit that we do. Subscriber City uh, book? Yeah. yeah. Uh, this is a book about uh, authentic cities. Oh, yeah. Cities yeah. as brand. Yeah, identities. cities as, yeah. as Instagram uh, influencers. And, you know, like that's... <laughs> That's kind of, I got a, a lot of good interviews and like, yeah, it's good. It's good. Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait to read it. Yeah. Or listen or, to the right. audiobook. Yeah. There's an audiobook <laughs> provided by Brittany. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. If your publisher will let me do it. I, I'm good. I'm going to be like, is, is that going to be your writer? There, there's either no audiobook or, or it's by my, my, my wife. My wife. My wife. <laughs> <laughs> what advice would you give to the people who feel closer to the left and want to learn, but have not read theory? I have suggested that they watch videos and documentaries, but it doesn't have the same effect, IMO. Um, hmm. So, you know, I mean, when it comes to like doing work on the left, I think, I think being familiar with left theory is helpful, mm-hmm. but like, I'm not a huge history buff. Mm-hmm. Like I can't, like, I don't know what a dengist is. I <laughs> yeah, see I mean, people either. say it. I don't know, I don't what, know what it is. <laughs> yeah. um, I think the, the, the biggest thing you'll suffer from if you do work on the left and you have not read theory is that you will sometimes feel stupid around other people who have read theory. But I don't necessarily think it makes you better at, that's, at, at the work. Yeah, that's their fault, not yours. Yeah. So don't, um, don't be intimidated. Yeah. But I do think it's good to read, you know, some stuff, like whatever interests you. If, if you're, you know, if you enjoy reading, yeah. then you should do it. If you don't enjoy reading, yeah. then maybe find a few basics yeah um like go to marxist.org and they have tons of like 101 shit and his, like historical texts and stuff yeah, uh, watching, don't, don't force it yeah. yeah watching documentaries listening to podcasts watching youtube videos like all of those things are valid political education yep you don't have to sit down with a dusty tome and like uh, you know read fucking all three volumes of capital true yeah if no. you do that Wow. It, it's okay, I guess. Yeah. But you're kind of a freak. And, and you're know. probably going to, like, it, you know, itch to flex on people in a way that's going to put them off. Yeah. So it can be very that, you have to guard, yeah. you have to guard against that as well uh, if you go the traditional route. I mean, there are a lot of podcasts that I don't listen to because I don't understand what they're saying half the time. Yeah, a lot of name and drops I, I don't get. have three degrees and have been like, <laughs> you know, have been like in some position on the left for my entire adult life. Yeah. But some of these people, they just go too fucking hard. Yeah. And there is utility in understanding the history of leftism and knowing like different revolutionary movements yes, and all that stuff. Absolutely. But if you're somebody like me who has like, no, I have no retention. I yeah. can't like I learn something and it is gone it's yeah. why i do it's why i do a scripted podcast where i write everything down and then i say it and then it instantly vanishes from yeah. my brain so yeah i don't know it's kind of a long answer to that what do you yeah i mean like it, i feel weird as an educator uh answering this question because like i have like a, a prof- pedagogy yeah well i have like a professional response and then i have like sort of a more personal one like right he's like professionally like i i i, I do prefer like original texts but with people yep. where we all try to figure out what the hell this person is saying. And I, and I also very frequently mention, you know, like we're very few people are blessed with the ability to uh, come up with really good original thoughts and be a good writer. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. be able like, to describe them. Yeah. 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 Like those two things are rarely, uh, very rarely, in yeah. fact, you know, like connected in the same yeah. person. So like, um, it's why the hits are the hits. It's why the hits are the hits. It's like those two things line up. 
you know so like that's uh that's hard and it's like it's okay if like you're reading it and and it's just not hitting like that's that's okay uh that's why uh you know i i like to uh work through heavy texts usually at the beginning of the semester when people have energy right but then you know but it's a group project together to unpack like one really complicated idea Mm -hmm. and i usually um especially for engineering minds uh when i was um working at rpi you know i i would say like this isn't a text you know, like reading something for theory isn't like a textbook where you're reading for facts and then you retain those facts and then you use them that's not what this reading is this is a problem set you're you're going yeah. through conditions a, yeah 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 you're going through a series of ideas and you know like if this then that and uh and the the work isn't to like memorize what's going on here it is to think like this person Mm -hmm. and if you can uh and and they're trying to show you what they thought of and then and they maybe they give you examples or something like that and then Mm -hmm. you and you the idea is to just try to like bend your thinking towards their thinking Mm -hmm. so um you know so when it comes to like theory and stuff like i'm I don't. So then, so now here's the personal part: is that like I I do think that theory is important. Mm-hmm. That's my 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 tendency. But I um, but I really do hate. I kind of feel like theory needs to be saved from itself because like so much of it is just like boring, dense, lifeless bullshit. And I find that like theory should always be like alive and like constantly like like coloring your worldview and stuff and so if, if theory isn't doing that for you if, if you're not like if you don't feel like you gained a superpower or like you like <laughs> you know then like then it's dead it's worthless yeah. It's, yeah. it's not doing something for you so there have it, definitely been things in my life that i read and i was like i see the entire world it's Stuart hall who's yeah, an amazing yeah, yeah. uh marxist scholar in the cultural studies field and like, uh, there were things of his that I read, and it was like Wizard of Oz. Like suddenly the world is in color. Oh, yeah. Wow. Um, and that can happen with good theory. Yeah. yeah. And I'm a big fan of like you. read yeah. around the motherfucker. Yeah, so yeah, 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 yeah. Read, yeah. You don't want to read. You don't want to read Marx. Politically read David promiscuous. Harvey. Like, you know, don't you don't have to read the dry, boring, yeah. you know, 1864 text. Yep. Find somebody brilliant who wrote something about it and read that. Yep. Um. And a lot of people will tell you, no, you have to read the original text. And that's fine. Like, yeah, but, but you don't. Yeah. You really don't. Yeah. Like, it, it is, if you, if it's between not reading and reading somebody commenting on the original text, I would much rather somebody do the latter. Yeah. Interesting. Than like right. force, than like cram, you know, fucking uh, I, boring shit down their throats. So the past is but a memory and the future is but a dream. All we have is the present. <laughs> And if you're like, yeah, if you're like me and, um, you're part of the post-literate new flesh, um, the, uh, thing I guess I would recommend is check out the audiobook of, um, Conquest of Bread that, um, Brittany so lovingly prepared. It's in the, uh, um, if you subscribe to the Patreon, we'll give you a free copy, but it's also like at the end of like, I think episodes like 30 through 40 or something. I'll just like share that. the link. I'll put the link in the show notes. Badass. So can have it. It's yeah, been yeah. Long, it's been long enough. It's been um, long enough. Let, let, let's we also let's have, give it to the people. We also have some lead in too. Uh, yeah, it, it but I never finished. Yeah, it was yeah. like a halfway. Okay, uh, I got yeah. other shit to do. We'll, we'll eventually do that, maybe. Who yeah, knows? Maybe. 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 Um, um, but there is also, I think it's called like Anarchist, Anarchist Audio. Mm-hmm. And it's a YouTube 
channel. I'll, I'll find it and I'll put it in the show notes, but they do a ton of audiobooks. They have one of Kropotkin too. Oh yeah. They do a ton of audiobooks. So oh, I'll yeah. put their account in the show notes. And if you go to like, um, uh, like, uh, archive.org, mm-hmm. they have a ton of, of audiobooks from yeah. shit that's out of, you know, out of, uh, copyright. Yep. So there are lots of places you can find free audiobook content. Yeah. Um, just fucked up because it's put me out of business but yeah (laughs) so between those memories and those dreams the past and the future the past is the context the current is the chaos like the present is the chaos and the future is the dreams and uh most of the work that the left and other you know people who want a livable society in the year 2100 have to Understand context, which is to say, like, where we are and how we got here. Understand, to some degree, what's going on, the the chaos now. And then the most important thing, I think, is to dream. To try to actually imagine with, you know, your capacities as an individual person, what a better future might look like and what you might be able to do to influence the trajectory of our society to bend toward that. And I think that's actually what theory is most useful for. Not about explaining what's happened, um, although it is useful for that, but it's hard to imagine what you want the world to look like if you don't have a good model for why it's fucked up right now. Yeah. Um, and so. yeah, and like uh, painting a future that isn't a dystopia is so powerful for yourself, for your friends, for like giving yourself a sense of meaning in this world. Like meaning is self-constructed. Like our, like the reason we exist, we impose that on ourselves and onto the future. And like, you know, just if you can muster the ability to envision a world that is worth like pursuing and working toward it will help everything else in your life yeah like it will allow you to struggle through the mire of the day-to-day and the you know horror of our past um with you know some semblance of hope yeah 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 Yeah. and it also wouldn't hurt to alter your mind that doesn't necessarily mean drugs take mushrooms doesn't necessarily mean take a bunch of drugs i recommend it yeah but but uh but you know meditation uh uh just sitting quietly for a while like it's something that well, like not everybody can do that no 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 that. of course not no <laughs> well also not everyone can take drugs right so it's yeah. like, yeah, you know, like there's like tons yeah. of things that like you have to like that's why I ju- that's why i just say alter your mind like just like find a new uh like y- y- just n- know it when you see it that like you know you're, when you're thinking little, in a new way you lay upside down on the couch yeah and you look at the world upside down mm. yeah you just do that yeah there we go yeah all right. That was, that was a good answer to that question, yeah. I think. All right. Um, we got a couple of iterations of this basic question. Mm. So, um, so we'll, we'll do one of them. So we'll do this one, which is what to do when your friendships are becoming, uh, you, you know, people who are becoming more right wing or you have people in your family who are right wing. Um, do you just abandon the friendship? Do you try to engage in some sort of dialogue, some kind of learning exercise for both of you? Um I'm interested in what you guys have yeah. to say on this. I, <laughs> we, we also got a question from my mom. Yeah, we got the, which is also not only friends but family. Fam, which I said, yeah, I said yeah, family. Right, yeah. Okay, you said family. I mean, for me, look, I stopped speaking to my biological father when I was 12 because I didn't like something that he said to me, and I don't really. For me, it's not hard to cut people out. Anybody, I don't care if it's you know your best friend since you were in seventh grade or whatever else. For me. That's very easy. Um, not everybody is like me. Some people have a really hard time just like 
ending those those relationships. Or they think maybe there's something to be gained by continuing the dialogue. Maybe mm-hmm. you can convince them to not be so right wing. And that's possible. But Absolutely. I think you should be realistic with yeah. your expectations. Um, because Brittany is also someone that has personally like deprogrammed people as a bartender. It's true. So it's not like you just like you're either with me or against me yeah, kind you, of access of evil shit. Like you, you like the, no, it's I, access. You know? I have yeah. probably spent more time talking to conservatives and reactionaries yeah. than any other leftist that I know. Absolutely, yeah. And I have enjoyed doing it. Yeah. Um, so and I do think a lot of people can be convinced through friendly you know not holier than thou um oh you should just read foucault like you can't say that <laughs> to a fucking like you know 50 year old trump voter yeah so the, the you know it's it's ultimately it's a question of how much energy you have that you want to put into it and whether or not this is going to be an exercise in futility because not everybody can be changed yeah. a lot of people cannot be convinced there is no middle ground step 1 assess the situation always yeah <laughs> yeah and it is like like do does this person seem amenable to new ideas at all right because part of the reactionary mind that we don't want to get to like functionalism here right like i don't, I, I take back part of the reactionary mind I'll just take there's a really good book titled the yeah, reactionary yeah, mind right yeah i know i know but you know like i but, you know like part of it is that you have to decide whether or not they have come this person has come to right-wing reactionary politics out of a desire to turn off their brain right yeah. like do they want to just stop thinking Re- or do they, they want to harm people? Yeah. Those are the two yeah. types of reactionaries. Yeah. The, there's a self-preservation drive, yep. and then there's a harm to others drive. Yeah. And you yep. have to figure out what kind of reactionary you're talking and to. And one can lead to the other. Yeah, sure, One can sure. lead to the other. Yeah. But then there's also someone who is latched on to reactionary politics because they lack, because the world lacks meaning. Yep. And reactionary, like Trumpism, or just sort of generally, like, uh the the in america at least like the default is pretty right wing mm. right like um and just get a job you know kind of thing that we were talking about earl- uh, much earlier right like yep. that that's that's a great way to provide meaning to a chaotic world right because mm. we live in a really chaotic world and it and comfort comes from meaning and so a lot of people will try to um uh, uh give some sort of structure to the world by saying like oh there are people that work really hard and there are people who don't and when people don't work really hard they uh like bad things happen to them and because and i know that because i'm working my ass off and good things are happening and and sometimes good things happen to me and i attribute those good things to my hard work which often is very causal yeah sometimes Really hard work can directly, like, bring the goods. Right. Yeah. But, right. But it's not, um, it doesn't uh, guarantee anything. Correct. Right. And in, in which and case. And sometimes no hard work brings yeah. lots of goods. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, yes, Jeff too Bezos. often. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. So, so like, the, so, you know, like, step one is really just sort of, like, assessing whether or not this, like, what, what are the, not necessarily what are their motivations, but, like, where are they in the world? Are they, like, hard, are they working hard and not getting anywhere? Uh, and so they're fine, they're trying to figure out why. That's the case, um, and, and 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 you know, and quite often it comes to I work really hard, uh, but I'm not really getting really far. It must be because people are taking things away from me. It's the liberals. It's the immigrants. Yeah. It's the yeah. yeah. It's the welfare queens. Yeah. yeah. Um, I would say that the future that I want 
of universal human emancipation includes all of the most vicious right-wing people I've ever met. That they also get the goods of a society of all for all. They might be fighting me tooth and nail for it to happen, but I think it will win eventually. And um, therefore, they're part of the group of people that I personally care about. That being said, sometimes the things that they feel and say and think, I find extremely repugnant. And I am not uh, personally an ascriber to or a... um, a good example of uh, having the virtue of patience uh, in conversations. I get a little fiery. Um, But that being said, I think that I sympathize a lot with right-wingers often um, when I understand that the reason they've got there is because of the narrative that they are witnessing in their life, which is primarily pushed by a corporate duopoly of propaganda and specifically centered around culture war issues and weaponizing um, their identity against the identities of others in a way that makes them feel under attack and or uh, self-righteous and defensive and that very few of the right-wingers that I know um, really do much of a structural analysis or think of causal relationships or power dynamics or anything um, in terms of, like the material assessment of like where we find ourselves as a species in the 21st century. Um, and that I make a lot of common ground with people on the uh, you know front of, say, censorship and, um, say, uh, guns. And, you know, various other like, you know, just engineering shit. And that I find that that common ground is often a springboard for little tweaks and new ideas to be inserted. And um, I've made some progress with some people and, you know, the opposite of that with others. And ultimately, it's like you, you know, (laughs) uh, don't save them. They don't want to be saved. Um, You don't have to see it as your job to fix every right winger in your life's um, opinion. Um, Just, you know, understand that some things, some are very going to be receptive to things that you have to say and others aren't. And have patience with everybody because we're all going through a really weird experience. Um, I don't. I, I have to. I don't think you have to have patience with everybody, and fair. I don't think that you should feel any guilt for cutting anybody out of your life at any time for any reason. Yeah. If you want to, and it causes you pain, mm-hmm. get it out of there. Just throw the whole uncle out. <laughs> well, so so I guess like what you I, really yeah. don't. I mean, except for those few relationships mm-hmm. in life that you must. It's your neighbor, yeah. and mm-hmm. you can't move. It's your boss, and you can't quit. Mm-hmm. But the vast majority of the relationships in your life, you don't have to have them. Yeah, you really true. don't. That's true too. And I say this because again, I stopped speaking to my birth father at yeah. the age of twelve. Yeah, like you, it you know, it, it's it is possible, and it does not make you a bad person for yeah. doing it. Can can, can we uh, get like some nineteen nineties like uh, HR Muzak? Step two. Yeah. Assess your own capabilities. You should. You yeah. really like that. Should be play right. a huge role in yeah. you, how you decide to approach the right wing yeah. in your life. Yeah, um, is what you are willing to give. That being said, here are my cliff notes for talking to right wingers. Okay. Step three. <laughs> approach the right winger <laughs> from, um, from the left. <laughs> <laughs> always from the left. No. So, like cliff notes. Uh, if you actually want to do this, if you actually want to try to convert a right winger, one recognize that what you have on your no, we're, side. We're, we're on three. Okay. 
3A, what you have on your side is that our explanations of the world are better. They make more sense. They are more clarifying and they are more hopeful. And consistent. And consistent. Based in reality. Um, two, find some kind of common ground. Agree with them on something wherever you can. Yeah. Um, a lot of words like, I, yeah, I understand that. If somebody says yeah. something really republic, re- repugnant or Republican to you, um, I, I get why you feel that way. But, you know, I also think that it's sort of like this. And it, tr- you have to, and this is the tricky part, and this is what a lot of leftists fuck up, and I see it all the time. You are explaining the world to someone in a new way. But you do, they do not want to feel like they are having the world explained yes. to them. Yep. So you have to use a lot of I statements. Yeah. Well, I think that really, like, because you look at this, and, and to yeah. me, it seems like it should be like this. Yeah. You're not, this is, they don't want to feel like they're in a fucking classroom. Yeah. Nobody wants to Nobody feel like they're in a fucking classroom. Nobody wants to be condescended to. Don't condescend. Don't use words that, like, only you and your fucking book club understand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, normal people don't understand, like, you know fucking stratification don't use the word stratification when you're talking to a normal person yeah, yeah. unless you're um, an engineer in which case you know whip out those three letter <laughs> words. Uh, right so so if someone is saying like uh um i remember when everyone used to work and that's you know the problem is that like no one wants to work right right so you're like yeah no i mean like i i definitely know some lazy motherfuckers in my life yeah. too you know like god man totally i used you to t- work with this guy yeah, yeah jerry who yeah. is yep total total uh uh bump on a log right and then you go well but you know i also see a lot of hard jobs that don't seem to make enough money to survive just yeah like yeah. like like. i mean imagine like i don't have any kids but like i would imagine if I, like i had some kids and like i like work for nine hours and the money that i get for that nine hours is like not enough to live on Right. And like, I guess you don't even need kids to like make this calculus. Right. Yeah. It was like, so like, why would you just waste your time for some money, but definitely not enough yeah. or you- to, 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 to get by. Right. Yeah. So like, it would make sense to get even less money and not do anything at all on some sort of welfare, which is, uh, I can say firsthand because I'm trying to apply for unemployment. A over the summer job. it's a job it, to it's get a assistance. job right yeah. that yeah. is also it takes a job. up a lot of time it turns out yeah yeah um yeah i think i think we nailed that one yeah, yeah. did you have right. any more uh beyond that third no, one no i don't think yeah. i think that's good okay so uh, it's, it's a three-step plan with the third step has an a and a b but, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. uh so this email um i think we're just gonna leave all names off all emails yeah. since i don't know yeah. like who wants yeah. what so one listener yeah. writes in weighing in on the uh or we can make up names. Kennard. 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 <laughs> yeah. Kennard. This comes to us from buttsfirst at yahoo.com. <laughs> I don't know what that email address means. That's weird. Um, That's so, weird. This, so this listener says that they pronounce it R. Kennard. Um, Kennard. I, I oppose that. And then they also <laughs> say that uh, we use the word primer. Mm. A primer. But they have heard it as primer. I yeah. thought that was British, though. I thought, I knew the British people said primer. Do we say primer, too? I I think it's a Brit thing, if I had to guess. Well, thank you for your input. Yeah, thank you for um, that primer on primers. <laughs> <laughs> so this person says, uh, I currently work at an Amazon fulfillment center, which has international flags hung from a second story railing, among which was the Israeli flag. Due to the ethnic cleansing being committed in Palestine, I took it upon myself to remove that flag and replace it with a Palestinian flag I had bought and snuck into the building. 
While I did my best to be sneaky in doing this, I was unfortunately called to HR a few days later and am now unable to work while my case is considered. And I don't know, uh, listener, if you are still like on, uh, if you're still suspended or what, but please let us know. I would like an update. Yeah. Um, seeing as I am not a cop and didn't shoot an unarmed minority, I am not being paid during this time. Sick burn. Yeah. yeah. My question to you is this. Do you think this action was worth doing or not? Mm. To me, it was a symbol of genocide and unchecked hatred that I could not stand to see every day. But it was just a symbol after all, and it is possible that no one else in the building even noticed it or that it was changed to a Palestinian flag. So perhaps there was no real material benefit. Uh, okay, so I get first pass on this because I'm a Jew. Yeah, uh, absolutely. All right. Okay, so like, uh, you know, like one, like the very flat answer is I think that was cool. I think that was a good I thought Agreed. Was, I think it it's was cool. I think it was good. Uh, the second thing is like, did you buy that Palestinian flag on Amazon? Because if you did, that's really problematic. <laughs> uh, you oh, should man. really be getting your flag at like some sort of like local flag, like maybe, a local organic flag. Maybe you yeah, got yeah, an employee local. discount. You yeah, know? plus right, yeah, less shipping point. if he was taking it directly from the from, fulfillment. That's, that's, that's true. Point. Point. Yeah, yeah. Eco points if that happened. Yeah, but generally you should, uh, you know, like go see- seek out your local vexillologist. That is, that is the, <laughs> the actual word for people it who study flags. Uh, yeah, uh, but um, no, flag a dashery. Flag a dashery. Uh, but, um, you know, I, yeah, I, I, I do think that the, it, the, the first step to overcoming this, like, uh, hegemonic idea that, uh, you know, like, Israel has a right to exist, whatever well, the fuck that means. Palestine doesn't. Yeah, yeah, whatever the fuck that means, right? It was like, does America have a right to exist? Uh, probably not. Nobody I don't has know. a right to exist. Yeah, yeah. You don't like, have a right to yeah, exist. Yeah, yeah. It was like, the universe could explode at any minute. No one has a right for anything. Anyway, um, uh, um, it, the, the first step to overcoming this, I do think, is politicizing the support of Israel at all, right? Because right now, the the scenario is that the default is support Israel, right? And so, when that becomes politicized, i.e., it, it's contentious, or con- uh, then then um, uh, it becomes a this is difficult to say, but it's like it becomes like a decision yep. to. Uh, uh, it's no it, longer it, the default. It, it's no longer the default. It becomes a conscious decision to either say you support Israel or that you just generally have like Israel in the in the picture. And so um, anything that bra- draws attention to the fact that that is a decision, even though it is the default, it is a decision that is being made. I think that that's good. Mm. And I, I, it really sucks that you um, uh, are on probation or whatever the hell they call it. Probably it's like super fun time or whatever like <laughs> dystopian thing amazon calls like you know like not getting paid or like thinking time yeah. you know it's like yeah i like i'm sorry that sucks that that happened to you i'm sorry but I, I i think in general that that was a pretty dope thing to do yeah i think it was cool to do i think uh we all have a responsibility to ourselves to like make sure that we are happy and healthy and so um if you lose your job and you really can't fucking afford to lose that job then I think maybe don't like there have been uh, there have been times when I was in jobs when my economic situation was far too precarious to put anything on the line. And mm-hmm. I watched a lot of shit happen that I wish mm-hmm. I hadn't watched happen, but mm-hmm. I couldn't lose that job. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, ultimately, that's a decision you make for yourself, given your other material circumstances. Like, Absolutely. can you afford to go a few weeks without pay? Yep. Um, that's why for those of us who have little um it everything is on the line all the time but if you have much 
then I think that gives you a flexibility that you can do kind of dangerous things like this. Yeah. And, and listener, if, if you don't have a lot and you did it anyway, and this is a great hardship for you, you know, more power to you. Like, that's you got like, big, yeah, you yeah. got big balls or ovaries yeah. Yeah. or neither, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. B- yeah. Big spiritual inten- yeah, intensity. Yeah. yeah. Um, I would say that like our opinion of this matters less than yours, yes. which is to say that like, y- these actions, especially symbolic actions, have resonance in witnesses and more, most importantly, yourself. Yeah. You know, um, the material uh, effect of almost any symbolic action is impossible to properly quantify. Like whether or not it had, you know, witnesses or whatever. Um, wh- what did it mean to you? Did you feel good when you did it? Did you feel like you were you know, being honest with yourself and your priorities, you know, like I put myself just temporarily in the situation of like a middle manager at Amazon and like the situation of like, Oh, this is potentially an anti-Semitic hate crime. Cause like the is, nation of Israel has been extremely effective at branding, uh, any anti, uh, any sentiment against them as anti-Semitism and that anti-Zionism is anti-Semitism in a lot of Americans' minds. Um, and the fact is that, uh, also anti-Semitism is a real fucking problem. It really is. And like, we talk a lot, extremely, uh, anti-Zionist stuff on here. Um, and I think a lot of that such that we don't do a lot of both sides of them, uh, is because, uh, you know, David's a Jew. And yeah. he like, yeah. you know, yeah. w- wants to talk about this. And almost all the Jews I know are extremely anti-Zionist. And, yeah. and, and, um, and it is good in and of itself to have the conversation about like, anti is anti-Zionism anti-Semitism. Mm-hmm. Like so much of this sort of work is not deciding whether or not, like what's the best, how's the best way to win this conversation, yeah, but yeah. what conversations you're having. Yeah. And, yeah. The, and the like, is Zionism Semitism? Yeah. Like is, yeah. And like, I, you know, said, fuck Israel, free Palestine on my Instagram. And I got in a bit of a row with a good friend of mine. And she is a devout Jew, like actually practices, like studies the Torah and all these other things. And she sees anti-Zionist sentiment in America as being integrally linked to anti-Semitic violence. That does also uptick every time Israel, like carpet bombs, the most populated ghetto in the world. And the idea that there's a correlation between anti-Zionist sentiment and uh, anti-Semitic violence is probably more correlative and more causally related to the actual world events that are happening outside of people's Instagram feeds. But being, you know, a Jew in America and seeing a lot of people being like, man, fuck Israel, like over and over and over, I I can sort of understand why they would feel a certain way. But at the same time, like the issue is we fund a genocidal apartheid state and we, you know, do this extremely uh, horrible work vis-a-vis Israel with our everyday tax paying. And so like, if I, if I was doing the action, you know, personally, I probably would have replaced the American flag with an earth flag, like as well, you know, but then again, I probably don't have as big of a spiritual set as you do. So I would, wouldn't have done it. Like I've done symbolic actions in the past. Like I've, you know, poured a bunch of fake blood at the entrance to the New York Stock Exchange and then, like, laid down and refused to move until I was arrested. Like, that didn't materially affect anything. And the reason I did that was to try to bring some attention to the fact that we were extincting the species or we're extincting, like, the ecocide and that, like, climate change is very real and that we have to, like, stop business as usual and the flow of capital in the New York Stock Exchange is integrably linked to the ecocide. 
that probably didn't even get across to most people. But the reason that I did it was because I had a spiritual void that needed filling and I needed to do something and it needed to mean something to me. And so I did something that meant something to me and I felt better. And, you know, to that degree, it's a form of self-care. I really, you know, hope that you don't get in a lot of trouble. I hope that, you know, you're able to either move on from this job and get a better job or, you know, but like, I hope even more than all of that, that you feel good about having done something that was risky, that you felt, you know, symbolically ought to have been done. Because, you know, that's a, um, a, a, a threshold of going from feeling to action that I feel more people need to be able to take to be able to actually actualize change in this world. It's a scary thing, you know, putting yourself out there and doing anything that disrupts, you know, the every day. Yeah. little bonus if uh, someone does say, like, you know, uh, anti-Semitic uh, uh, violence uh, ticks up whenever there's a Israel, Gaza, uh, or Palestine, like, situation you go yeah I, that that i i you know accept their frame and then say yeah it's, it, israel is a really like bad uh thing for jews it's dangerous to jews <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. the state of jews israel is very is very dangerous for jews all over the world but also, it's, period, the though. people who are People who are attacking Jews in America are not doing it on behalf of the fucking Palestinians. Okay? They're not doing they're, it because your Instagram story. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're, yeah, they're, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're, they're white supremacists that love Donald Trump and and uh, hear words like you know they control the media. Yeah, and and, yeah. and connect the dots. Yeah. <sighs> do you want me to read these questions, yeah, sure. or do you? Okay. Yeah. You're doing a great job. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Thank you. I love to be told that I'm doing a great job. <laughs> Me too. It's one of my favorite things. Add a girl, add a boys, and add a thems are, yeah. you know, great. Add a thems. So this is from a listener living in San Francisco. And as everywhere, the rent is too damn high. We have rent control, which limits how much landlords can raise the rent every year. But I was wondering, is there such a thing as a rent cap? Have you heard of this? What I mean is some sort of cap that limits how much landlords are allowed to charge. Maybe it would change every year to reflect changes in the minimum wage and inflation. Is this a thing anywhere? Um, yeah, David, is this a thing anywhere? It is a thing anywhere, um, but not in the United States, right? Uh, um, yeah, which is uh, what which is what she says. I'm right, not expecting this yeah. to be a thing in the U.S., but maybe right. elsewhere. Yeah, yeah, Austria, okay, uh, Vienna is uh, like. Uh, so imagine most communist countries uh, uh, uh yeah <laughs> well, all, well well that's the thing is austria is definitely not communist right. yeah. austria yeah. is uh, the the national government is very right wing mm-hmm. but vienna uh has a very long history of left-wing activism and um and to this day something like 60 to 75 percent of their housing is either straight up publicly owned or is like so um uh, uh regulated to effectively have a, a max cap of like you know like you can't charge any more than this of rent. The uh, the downside, of course, right, is that like um, so in the biz we call this land tenure, right? What is your relationship to the land, to the place in your shelter, like where you live, right? So uh, uh, owning your owning your home and paying a mortgage uh, uh, and renting is are two different types of land tenure. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, and and one of the, and as as you mess around with different kinds of tenure, you ba- you almost always are trading um, security, right? Like knowing that you will be able to live there for a long time with flexibility, right? So like it, it, it and the the problem is that under capitalism, 
capitalism wants everyone to be very flexible. You want labor to be as flexible as liquid. capital. And liquid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And with, with all that that entails, right? The, the ability to just, like, move around, fill the container that Mobilize. you're given. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, um, so capitalism is is always going to push against something like a rent cap because mm-hmm. that almost inevitably means that, like, well, for at least uh, this is a contradiction of capital, right? Is that like if capital would allow some sort of rent cap, then it would demand that uh, a longer investment time period, right? Like, oh, you have to live here for a long time if I'm not changing your rent because then that way at least I I can predict how much money i'm getting mm. from this property right mm. but then that the contradiction comes into play when you realize that like yeah but we need we being capital like needs labor to move around a lot uh mm-hmm. um in order to fulfill like you know whatever little need it has you're and, one of our resources and, yeah you're one of your re- yeah and, and we need you to be able to go wherever yeah. we need you and so like that, that this is a perennial problem between different sorts of capitalists is like some some rentier capitalists want uh, a long, steady rate of return that's very predictable on their 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 owned land, and then others want uh, uh, people and their labor to move around whenever and however they need it to. Mm-hmm. Um, and those two things are are in contradiction with each other. Yeah. So, um, uh, the, the what what uh, 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 Vienna did, and the Social Democrats that were in control of, of Vienna at the time, was they, they went to the capitalists and they said, hey, labor costs are expensive, right? And they're like, yeah. Uh, and, they, <laughs> and, uh, and they're like, well, I mean, like, one of the big costs is housing, right? And they're like, yeah. And like, so, like, what if... And their monocle just cracks. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. And they're like, okay, so, like, what if we charge you a little bit of a tax? And they're like, no. And like, well, wait. And like, that luxury tax, you know, it's like a tax on, like, your butler, basically. Like, if you have a butler, you have to pay a tax. Yeah. So you pay them these luxury taxes, and we take that tax money, and we build housing. And then that housing is super cheap. Yeah, and so that, you can not and then you don't pay, have to pay your workers yeah, as yeah, much. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah oh it, well, in yeah. that case, mm. yeah, and that and that and that fucking worked. I mean, it worked. Yeah. It, it worked to the point that, like, still today, Vienna, a very very beautiful like city with lots of arts and culture, is still affordable. Yeah, right. And um, uh, but but then again, because nothing is ever an island, because it's very affordable, there's also a shortage because yeah. everyone wants to be able to live cheaply in a really nice city right so that so that's that's the the flip side of that problem yeah yeah so it is is incredibly complicated problem that um is really difficult to fix and at least in the united states context um different municipalities can do something right they can pass these sorts of things but then they are always going to be faced with uh this um problem of geography where now uh people are because uh every Every single county in this country has like somewhere between like 30 and 60% tax burden or uh, um, housing cost burdened people. Like everyone can't afford to live where they do. Yeah. (laughs) And it's only a little bit less if you own it. It's like around here, it's like 20 something percent of people that own their house spend between 30 and 50% of their income on On that housing. housing. They own. Yeah, I mean, that's about what we spend. That's what we spend. Yeah. So like, like this is a worldwide, this is a global problem. Uh, It's really pernicious in the United States. And if you fix it in one place, you end up getting a lot of people that want to want in on that. And then you get a, and then you get a shortage. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So, 
yeah that, it's it's really hard it's not it's not completely impossible but yeah. it's it's really hard and this ties in with another question that we got yeah, yeah. so the next question is um somebody who uh anonymous despite the fact that it's signed this is really funny anonymous despite the fact that my full first name last name and middle initial are in my email address <laughs> but we will keep you anonymous anonymous yeah. um so they and their partner just moved to troy um or they moved here and have lived here a couple of years, but mm-hmm. currently employed at a non for at a nonprofit mm-hmm. mm, and don't make life. very much money. Mm-hmm. Um, partner uh, just s- secured a film industry job in the area. Congrats uh, when that, the when the pandemic hit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, um, not congrats. So basically, the, the the question is: uh, Do we have any tips on how to keep living in an area you like when there's no fucking work here? Yeah, I hate my job and it takes a lot out of me, but I've got to keep it because we'd like to buy a house around here someday after the bubble inevitably bursts. Um, partner and I are constantly horrified by how quickly all the property around here. Uh, is being gobbled up by downstaters and out-of-towners with tons of disposable income looking only for investment properties and or apocalypse properties. Working as a housing specialist at this nonprofit, I know all too well how fair market rents and extremely low incomes fluctuate and how irreconcilable these are with the way the area is being developed and the prices that local landlords are asking for their units. I can't really see much future for folks like my partner and I, let alone the vast majority of local folks who are way less privileged than Mm -hmm. we are. Correct, correct. Rereading this, I am assuming a possible answer will have something to do with city council. (laughs) Unfortunately, we will not be residents of Kiani's district until after voting day. What about Marquita? Yeah. Yeah, what about Marquita? Yeah, or even if you live in Lansingburg, like D. Collin is running. You know, it's a long shot because it's Lansingburg, but, you know, who knows? Yeah. Uh, So... Hmm. Yeah, this is hard. It's very hard. Uh, um, uh, you can take heart, I guess, in a couple things. Like one is that this is happening everywhere. Yeah. So, yes. um, uh, yeah, the, the, this like disappearing middle, uh, where, um, you know, like you just, you look at the numbers of like where, um, like the, 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 um, uh, uh, inventory of rentable apartments, uh, is like bifurcating so you have like some super 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 cheap ones that are uh sh- rat holes that uh are that are themselves still hard to get into even yeah. though that there's there there the amount of them are increasing and then but what's really increasing by like literally three digit percentage amounts is anything over 1500 yeah. a month yeah uh and and so like yeah that that is really hard and there's a huge mismatch between uh um incomes and rent mm-hmm. uh to the point that people usually do what's called driving till you qualify where you just like your 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 job is here is is in one place and then yep. you just drive away from your job until you can afford where to live and then you just make up you, know, you just like deal with the commute right which is uh yeah. which has all sort of externalities about like <laughs> how how expensive it is to to commute and yeah, how how, much, how fossils, much fossil fuels you yeah. use to get commute yeah it's all awful right um but i i mean the like the, um i what sucks is because like i you say that you work in a in a nonprofit that deals with housing, so it's like hard to like say something that you don't already know, yeah, exactly, yeah. right? You know, but like I, you know, the th- the the fact of the matter is that like we we need uh, economic development um uh, uh systems or like uh, trajectories that uh, um uh, um uh, uh, ask for and like 
uh, uh, prioritize, I think is the word yep. I'm looking for, like, um, not good paying jobs, right? That sounds like a politician, but like, <laughs> like jobs that are, are structurally required for the region, right? Mm-hmm. So yep. like, if you know, like, it, it doesn't really make sense to have like a job that, you know, doesn't uh, meet the material needs of the region, right? Even though a, uh, a economic development coordinator will definitely try to get that job yeah. brought to Troy if it means that, like, you know, they get some tax breaks and they, they, they you know, they, they get to say that I brought 300 jobs here, even though in the next couple of years it could just, you know, fucking disappear. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, like, part of it is, yeah, you know, get involved in local elections. But I, I, I think a, a, an even bigger part of it, and maybe you are well positioned to do this because you are in the sort of nonprofit world that is related to housing, is also try to um, infiltrate these, um, uh, these organizations, but I'm, I'm playing with the idea of the of the the, the moniker like the invisible layer. All right, let's go make that. Let's let's make that work. The invisible layer, okay. and, and, the, okay. and, these, and, the, and these are this is a layer of bureaucracy that involves like industrial development authorities, chambers of commerce, all of these um, uh, bodies and bureaucracies that no one really even thinks about, but are actually like impact everyone's life like very intimately it decides like where you can work and who you work with and and what are the incentive structures for employment and um and and if you have the resume to get into like the around here it's like the center for economic growth or like the saratoga prosperity and whatever you know like all the all, all these get try to get a job in those mm. uh one they pay pretty well but two like they uh, like they decide like who gets the incentive to come here mm-hmm. and and if we can start like incentivizing like uh like worker owned co-ops and like all sorts of other shit that were like really cool and make those like jobs that are like structurally necessary for the work that gets done here like imagine like a worker owned like food processing plant for like apples or something like we produce a shit ton of apples in this region that yeah. that will probably only change in like 60 70 years when the climate irreparably changes like well then granted. we won't probably be having any apples or or we'll get like a different we'll get like jonah golds that peaches. That, that are yeah that are better down or peaches right yeah stone fruits right so like the, but the point though is that like you can have jobs that are um that are fairly well paying that like don't go have anywhere yeah. yeah yeah that have to be done here yeah. and and that's the stuff that we need to start focusing on so that's the best I yeah. can do. No, that's good. Um, I I'd love to weigh in, which yeah. is go, yeah, um, I think that David really uh, covered the the sort of systemic and collective, like you know, with big P politics type of work to be done um, uh, that would alleviate a lot of people's suffering uh, in this particular way. And I guess I want to like talk a little bit on like the nuts and bolts of like individual action and like what you can do like to actually try and stay in this region or whatever. And that's teamwork. Like poor people have been doing this forever, like intergenerational homes out of necessity because they can't afford a uh, place to put mom, you know, a uh, like living many people to a house to cut down on the costs of individual per head rent. Um, You know, do you have friends that you could go in on owning a house so that you're not paying a, a rent seeker? You know, um, do you have the ability to collaborate with, you know, people in your social network or expand it such that you can tie into other people who are collaborating to form worker co-ops or just like 
um, you know, just families collectively helping try to solve their needs together. So whether it's childcare or gardening or working, uh, building relationships with local farms that you could do exchange for discounted produce in terms of like a market rate use of your labor, um, like just <laughs> storing durable um, like starches and stuff when they're plentiful and cheap in the season, you know, like just brass tack stuff uh, that can lower your cost of living. Like the, um, you know, separate single family home um, with, you know, two pe people in it or, you know, small family is still uh, a bourgeois thing. And, you know, I'm personally able to do it. Um, Dave and Brittany are personally able to do it. And a lot of that has to do with just the luck that we've been personally able to find ourselves in. And like... It's entirely I, luck. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's just like... My advice is if you can't swing it in that way, um, collaborate with others in some ways. Like I think a lot back to uh, Worcester and it has this um, uh, culture of like punk houses. So there are like five houses that were bought in like the 70s in the early eighties when like the houses were cheap and they were bought like and paid off the mortgage very quickly. And now all they have to do is pay rent, uh, um, taxes rather. And so you get like these old Victorians that are living with like 12 people in them. And the rent is like a hundred dollars a month and everybody takes turns cooking from like dried beans and lentils and rice and meals are like shared and you know, like the lowest dollar per like meal capacity that they can all do. And, it works if there's a team behind it. And if the team is, uh, you know, like oriented or there's like, even if individual members may come or go from it, the purpose of the structure of the, the organization and the house and everything else is to be a permanent staple, like laying down roots to allow for people to have a lower level of exploitation. Like that can work and there's no reason it couldn't work in the upstate. And it's just, you know, see what you and your homies can do. I'm just going to advise you to be careful who you sign a mortgage with. <laughs> Fair enough. That's also yeah, the counterpoint to that. Just yeah, the fact yeah. that it's a serious legal arrangement that you're going into with someone. Yeah, yeah. A lot of fiduciary obligation. And it doesn't sound like they're uh, too afraid of like living out in the country or something like that. So yep. uh, yeah, the, the, the Troy foreclosure list is probably mostly now like a lot of like real well, things that really need to be rehabbed yeah. and, and like vacant lots. Also, but, don't buy in Troy. The taxes are too yeah, fucking high. But, but, if <laughs> you, but if you go out to like Steventown or Steventown's, like Rensselaerville, yeah. uh, uh, Latham, like just try try to find if you yeah. want to find something like pretty cheap, you know, like try to get as much of uh, an understanding of what the actual physical structure is like before yeah. you put down a bid. But that's that's also that, that's the other thing is houses are money sinks. Yeah, every yeah. fucking dime you make for the rest of your life, you're going to be wondering what part of the house needs to be. Yeah, fixed. it's it's true, but at the same time, it's it's investment. So yeah. you put it yeah. in, and it doesn't cost later. And yeah. like, um, in terms of the housing thing and the the auction list. It's this weird time, right? Where like houses are getting snapped up super quick at ridiculous paces and working people who have owned their house their entire life are losing it and it's being transferred to a, a bank that'll become a zombie property within a couple of years. It's the best of times. It's, it's the worst, worst of times. times. That's why and they called it the Gilded Age. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to HBO. Yeah. <laughs> I yep. thought you were going to say Mark Twain, but then you said HBO. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing. Okay, we have a, a couple rapid-fire questions from uh, my favorite listener. I mean, I love all of you, but this this person is my favorite listener. Um, mm, yeah. 
You've said it. You got to stick to it. I do. And I, <laughs> yeah. and I do stick to it. Um, what do you think made you a leftist? Uh, I was poor when I was young and um, I didn't want anybody else to have to be either. Uh, uh, Barack Obama not prosecuting George W. Bush administration. Oh, <laughs> you know what? I think that was the big turn, though. I think yeah. when I, I was when I was in college, I was probably I would call myself like a progressive until about two thousand nine, yeah. and then it was like, welp. Yeah, no, I was yeah. flying the red flag now, baby. Yeah, I was yeah. like, no, nah, Obama is... was a real radicalizing yeah, influence absolutely. on so many people Absol- our age. I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I would say, um, uh, a, uh, a maturation into the understanding that I was responsible for, um, you know, helping change the world, make it better. And every time I tried to analyze what better meant, it was leftist politics. And it just, it just happened to be that all of the solutions that I naturally was like, oh, we need to do this. It was already a m- movement with a historical background going back hundreds and hundreds of years. Like I said earlier, we have, we have the best explanations. <laughs> Everybody's saying it. They're the best. Um, what is an inoffensive, unpopular opinion that you have? Oh, man, oh, man. It's hard. Dave Matthews Band is good, actually. <laughs> yeah. All right. That, that's it. <laughs> I'm, I'm pro uh, waiting lists. I love waiting lists. I think that it's a great way to deal with scarcity. Yeah. Mm. I, okay. You mean like for like medical all treatment for all things? Yeah. yeah. Anything, no, I agree any, with that. Anything that there's, you know, scarcity and the uh, demand outweighs the supply, um, put a waiting list on it. Yeah. Just fucking wait. Yeah. yeah. You, know, you don't need a PS5. As long as right it's not now. like insulin or something. <laughs> yeah. Then, right. yeah. Yeah, yeah. But the issue is, even if it is, say we were to, you know, have. We don't medica- need all these diabetic people floating around. No, no. Hear, 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 hear me out. Hear me out. <laughs> is that if we were actually in, say, a direct democracy? I had this conversation the other day with a friend. Like, if we were to suddenly be thrown into a demo- direct democratic relationship, it would suck for the first like 10 years. Because we would all make the worst decisions because we have no practice in civics. And we have no practice with having to deal with the consequences of our own, like, ideas and opinions. Because we have no agency. Um, But if we did have, say, direct democracy, and we did, say, you know, do a Medicare for all or some type of, like, nationalized or internationalized, you know, global healthcare system, then we would start to have to, like actually make decisions and have to deal with the consequences. So if we had a waiting list, say for insulin and people were fucking dying and it was because all of us decided to do that, we would, I would hope very quickly change it so that we didn't have a waiting list for insulin. And we would actually have like a set of incentives and uh, levers of power to actually address the, um, you know, actual cause of people suffering from specific types of rationed healthcare because we already have rationed healthcare just happens to be done by just rationed by if you have enough money to buy it exactly so people are you know currently so you heard it here folks chris yes diabetic people he is coming for you (laughs) what i'm saying is that we're already rationing insulin and that if we were on a waiting list and we had the democratic control over how long that waiting list would be and we could like funnel resources from the cops say into like the insulin uh you know, uh, like financing so that it wasn't expensive or that we had enough, we would if we actually had agency. The only reason insulin is expensive is because people need it to live. Yeah. Like, it's not expensive to manufacture. It's just... I, I would. I would. It's how fucked up is that? I would flip that. It, that it's that somebody. It is a source of someone's profit, which is to say their personal capital accumulation. And well, yeah, that, that, if, I'm yeah. saying under a profit system. Yes, that's the exactly. only reason insulin yes, needs to be correct, expensive is because people have correct, to have it. Correct. Yeah. They're not doing it in Cuba. Everybody that yeah. needs insulin in Cuba has it. Yep. 
uh, un- unpopular, unoffensive opinion is that IPAs uh, suck. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I probably have a lot of other inoffensive, unpopular. I think most of my like opinions about opinions, pop culture, yeah, and like what's good, like media or music or stuff, are yeah. probably all unpopular. Yeah. The color orange gets a bad rap. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Oh, also, guns are cool. Maybe guns, that offends somebody. Yeah, guns are but cool. They're cool. Guns you know? are very cool. It's like the. What can you do? Cigarettes and guns. They're cool. Yeah, they're cool. They, they, might, they might be horrible in a lot of context and a lot of effects, um, but they're cool. Death drive is real, folks. Hope you're not offended. I hope you are offended. <laughs> what advice do you have for people who want to be more politically active, but have had a hard time doing so for whatever reason? Um, so I can speak to this some, some because I have a lifelong mental illness that often prevents me from doing very basic human things. And one of those basic human things has been being politically engaged. Um, especially when I was in like my mid twenties, I had a lot of bipolar episodes like over and over and and it was kind of, it was pretty unceasing. Yeah. Um, and I was in grad school. And I managed to complete grad school. Wow. But that was the only thing that I did in all those years. I did not take care of myself. I did not develop any hobbies. That's all I did. And so um, I would say if you have a hard time getting involved in politics, you need to be kind to yourself and understand that hard times pass. And that maybe eventually you won't have such a hard time doing it. And to just not beat yourself up. Like, do what you can. That's beautiful. And, you know, mm-hmm. be, like, be gentle with yourself. Nice. Everybody, everybody has their ups and downs, and uh, the only, the only uh, thing that is assured is that things will change and things will be different in the future. Couldn't have said it better. Oh, yeah. All right. Uh, what does a perfect day look like for you? This can be either a day as your life and society currently exists or more speculative outside the boundaries of capitalism. Perfect day for me. It's sunny. It's about 72 degrees. I don't have anything to do. I get to go sit in my backyard with a glass of chilled rosé and listen to a podcast and play Candy Crush. And that's it. That's all I want to do. That's what I want to do every day for the rest of my life. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. What were you, David? Um, uh, <laughs> that was very dramatic. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Um, wake up 10 a.m. Got, gotta be like 9.30, 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. earliest. S- sleeping late, I gotcha. Sleeping late. Um, uh, make a big breakfast. Uh, maybe, um, imbibe some sort of, uh, plant-based derived chemical that is recently become illegal in the state that we live in. Uh, um, eat the food that you made yourself um go out for some sort of like low stakes social interaction something where like you might run into someone that you know mm-hmm. but if you don't you had a good time too that's why i like the farmers i really like the farmers market yeah. right it's like i don't have to like buy anything or go or, or meet anyone but i might run into someone i, I like serendipity yeah. in, in my social interactions uh we're now in late afternoon um it it should be about 72 degrees i agree that that's like the ideal <laughs> outdoor temperature sunny cool uh if it was a little cloudy i think that's actually fine too it's okay um, if it's partially cloudy yeah i don't I, want I, it to be gray though no 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 
um uh i want to do some sort of physical work mm. uh god we are not the same yeah no mm. i know i, I want to work in my garden or um go for a hike or something i need to get some excess energy out mm-hmm. of me Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, uh, by evening, as it gets dark, I want to watch a, uh, I want to, uh, re-up my plant-derived chemicals and, uh, watch something good-bad, right? Like, uh, like, like The Rock or Con Air. Ooh, Con Air. Or, um, like maybe uh uh the star trek for the voyage home that's the one with the whales mm. right I, I need to watch that it's a and, terrible movie <laughs> yes that's why i said that's why i said good good bad, bad. i know yeah. i understand yeah I understand. And, and while i'm watching this i'm eating um pizza some pos- a lot of carbs a lot of carbs i'm eating a lot of carbs yeah yeah wow chris oh wow okay so I wake up and I have no expectations set on me. Whoa. At all. It's a good start. Everybody in the world had gone to bed with a full stomach. Aww. Every Aww. single person. See, you're such a good person. God David and I are like, oh, and- like, this fuck <laughs> And Jeff Bezos is taking off on his rocket. And never coming back. <laughs> but the O-ring problem. Oh, no. <laughs> they... You know, nobody I read their history book. The <laughs> no, uh, let's yeah, see. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, read yeah, David Pello, normal accidents. Yeah, but even more than that, it turns out that his will is just giving all of his money to, I don't know, like, the Pan-African, like, Coalition for Human Emancipation or something. And that, like, it all is just a gigantic wealth transfer to the people in the world who need it the most and are going to basically do social ecology. What day like, of the week is this? <laughs> this this would be like a um let's make it a Monday. Yeah, let's make right? it a Monday. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And revolutionize um, Mondays. Yeah, and let's see what else. Um I think yeah, I just like hang out with my with friends. I don't know. We we record a podcast yeah. or make a beat or go for a long walk and just like sing songs that we remember from our childhood. Oh, like that, that is so Aww. wholesome. Yeah, and Jeff th- Bezos dies. You have the yeah. best one. You yeah. win. And then I make sweet love to my wife, who I love to make sweet love to all the time. Ooh, <laughs> spicy. Like, I'm one of those wow. kind of guys that like likes and loves their wife. Like, and David wife and I will always. probably also have sex on our perfect day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. Uh, I want yeah. to amend mine Unless slightly, though. Yeah. Unless we might be too sleepy. <laughs> I want to amend mine slightly. Uh, I have unlimited lives in Candy Crush. Oh yeah, so Unlimited you don't have to be, no microtransactions. Yeah, no, exactly. I'm not. I'm not fucking waiting twenty <laughs> minutes for the next life. Okay. Um, let's see here. Uh, congrats on 100 episodes. Thank you very much. Um, I'd love to hear from each of you about something you've witnessed recent, recently or over the past few years that gives you hope for the future: political progress, cultural shifts, societal developments, personal growth, etc. Love the three of you and appreciate all the... No, we love you. You shut no, up. We love yeah, you. Yeah. Shut up. For um, I don't really know. Does anybody else want to go first? Uh, I, I thought what we attended yesterday was mm. was yeah. very... Um, uh, 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 hopeful? Yeah, made me very hopeful. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was at... Um, uh, well, first of all, like the venue, which is this park. It's a little pocket park. A little pocket park that was like... 
uh, made from community action. Like everyone mm. in South Troy was like, here's a vacant lot. We want to turn it into a mm. park. And it happened. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we had, at one point, we had um, pretty much every person of color running for uh, elected office in this city, like, show up. Hell yeah. We had D. Collins, uh, um, uh, 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 Marquita Edwards. Marquita Edwards, Keani, and uh, Stephen. Steve Figueroa. Steve Figueroa. Figueroa. Yeah. Yeah. All, all of them showed up at some point. Uh, I think at some point they were all there Marquita together, worked the grill. Yeah. And, and Marquita just, just fucking like, killed it. Yeah. yeah. She, she's yeah. got a culinary degree and showed it. Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. She was just like all the time on the grill all day. Uh, and didn't break a sweat the whole time. It was incredible. Um, but like TB Troy Bike Rescue was there. Yeah, Hell TBR yeah. was there. Yeah. We yeah. don't talk about them enough. They yeah. fucking rule. Yeah, we, uh, Public Power, like the uh, back by DSA, was there, like trying to get like uh, 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 publicly owned uh, electricity in yep. the state. Um, and, and yeah, it was just like a good and it time. Was like, it was like old people, people. It was young yeah. people. It was white people. It was black people. It was yeah. like a, the most diverse across so many different spectrums yeah. event. And everybody was very engaged. Everybody was very like curious about the candidates Fuck and like yeah. the and the public power movement and. Yeah. And it was, like, the exact opposite of the politics that are in Troy right now. Yeah. Case in point, uh, a friend of the show, Ashley, um, uh, 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 sees, like, those kids that, like, do all the wheelies on the bicycles. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, like, that, that re- were recently made illegal. Like, like Carmella, yeah. like, sponsored legislation <laughs> no that way. passed. No way. Yes. They can't yes. do wheelies now? No, they, 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 like, it, they, like, issued, like, new fines for, oh for holding God. up traffic on a fucking bicycle oh and like also God. atvs have to be like impound atvs and, and dirt bikes are like impounded on like three thousand dollar fines which yeah. basically means they're gonna steal your atv like the, so no like more the, critical mass you yeah. can't do a critical right, mass yeah, anymore like all, That's, all of the, that you're going to jail you're yeah. going to bike jail right like all these things are illegal well, now Well, if right, a bunch right, of white people do yeah, a critical mass probably it'll fine. probably be fine yeah well but, the thing about the critical mass is that they're never all white it never is that way. Like no, in, I know. in Troy, like all of the critical masses are extremely like diverse. Yeah. Just, you yeah. know, the tradition, like, I'm just saying that but, if you want to get a bunch of white people together, do <laughs> yeah, critical mass, it'll be you'll probably be fine. Yeah. Uh, uh, Brittany, do you want to describe what she did with, with the, with the wheelies, what she said to the wheelies? Kids are outside the park and she goes, are you, are you guys the wheelies? And they're like, yeah. And she's like, so you're the ones causing all this mischief. And they're like, yeah, I guess so. These she's, are like ten year old, like they're black like thir- and brown she's like boys. they're thirteen. Yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. she's like, You guys hungry? And they're like, Yeah. She's like, Come get some food. Oh, yeah. Um, and I was just trying to imagine, like, because I remember being that young and I remember being a trouble a huge troublemaker when I was in my teens. Um and like anytime an adult like let on that they thought it was cool that I was bad, that was like the best thing that could happen. <laughs> that was like that that would make my fucking day. Nice. I used yeah. to sit outside of convenience stores and ask adults to buy me cigarettes. Yeah. yeah. And like Anytime one of them acknowledged, like, there was this one lady I remember, that, keep in mind, I was 15 at the time. Yeah. And she was like, I'm not going to buy you cigarettes, but yeah. you are pretty cool. And I remember that just, like, made my day. Anyway, acknowledging <laughs> teenagers who are bad and telling them that they're cool yeah. is praxis. what we should all Normalize be doing. Normalize it. Yeah. Normalize yeah. it. Normalize <laughs> being bad as a yeah. teenager. It's yeah. cool to be bad. But, but, yeah. but, but, but to be uh, 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 cringe here, right? Like, th- embracing, like, a child, right? And saying like, you know, like you do like 
the thing that you, you do fucking is, rock dude yeah you rock do and that. do you want some food yeah instead of like uh can we run you Call over cops, and yeah. or arrest you he's <laughs> like those are my two options like yeah. I, I i hope i can just run you over because it's cheaper but you know like maybe we could also hire a bunch more officers to like install you into like the prison industrial complex sooner mm. you know before your balls drop or something it was like it, was like, it, was, ah! you know, it, it, yeah. it drives me it makes me furious but like yeah. instead we just did what uh, actually solves any sort of quality of life problem, which is like bring people into the community. Yeah. Love. Do you want to come yeah. hang out and have fun and eat food? Yeah, yeah, yeah. love. But, yeah. yeah, spread it. Yeah. Um, in terms of something that's given me hope in recent um history, um, about this time last year, a little bit or later in the year, I think, I saw the police try to start a riot with a bunch of protesters, and they got it. And people showed the fuck up out of nowhere. Like hundreds of people descended on this situation and were ready to throw fucking down. And I was shocked. Yeah. I remember being there and seeing the crowd swell from like 50 to like 300 in the scope of about 30 minutes. And everybody that came out like knew the stakes and they know, knew why they were there. And they were like not going to back down. This is Albany? Yes. Yeah. And watching people go from just like law-abiding regular citizens to like standing up for themselves, like borderline revolutionary action was just like, wow, I did not realize how deep this current runs and how close people are to banging heads with the cops like yeah. at any time. And yeah. that like... Seeing, you know, these are people that aren't weren't protesters, right? Like yeah. these are just people that came out of their houses. Yeah, they're just <laughs> like, "What are you doing?" Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah, and like we're throwing Molotovs, we're like commandeering trucks, we're like just doing criminal activity in a you know show of resistance, and it was like fucking incredible to witness, and I just did not see it coming, and it made me reevaluate like my assumptions about like the potentiality of like something like I remember, you know, people talking about how in revolutionary France and Russia and stuff, how like people were, even the people trying to foment and organize like a revolution were just completely caught off guard with how fast and like extensive it all like changed quickly. Mm -hmm. And like, I think the latent possibility of revolutionary change and people putting their bodies and their lives on the line and to sacrifice in moments of, you know, like, uh, extreme struggle. It's just, it, I don't know. It's pretty, pretty life, uh, affirming. Yeah. So that still exists. I, uh, agree with your, you know, I think politically there's a lot to be hopeful about to, if I'm being honest. Um, and I don't know if I would have said that two years ago when we started the show, but I do feel more helpful now, more hopeful now. I think there's a lot more vibrant left movement and resistance. And, um, you know, I was worried that after Bernie Sanders lost the election that things would peter out. But I think that opposite has happened. I think mm -hmm. things have gotten more vibrant. But but I'll say something just personal, you know, personal growth was included in, included in the list. And like, I am healthier right now mentally than I have ever been in my adult life. Absolutely. Um, like I got on a new medication and you know, so with, with some like mental illnesses, it's all about finding the right drug. Like, mm. So you just, you try, and I have tried so many drugs and finally one, it was, it fucking works. And I was like, 
was like two weeks after I started. And I was like, oh my God, this is like, this must be like what normal feels like. I feel normal. I feel like good. I can do things. Like I can focus on things. Um, and so that makes me really, really happy because the more time goes by that I'm on it, the more like momentum I build in what I'm capable of and um, what kind of commitments I can make. And it's very, very exciting for me. So uh, the future looks bright for me personally. I don't know about the rest of the world, but for me, it's looking good. Fuck yeah, yeah Brittany. I'm very happy and about that. I'm extremely grateful that the show that we have is not you know creating a deleterious effect i think it's been good yeah you know like i we talk about a lot of darkness we do regularly and you know like um yeah fuck yeah just congrats if you have a mental illness turn up turn up because i got depression I'm going to put my dick in a bag of Doritos. <laughs> Lick the dust off the tip. <laughs> <laughs> this is from a listener from Saskatchewan. I can't believe we have a listener in Saskatchewan. That's wild. Fuck yeah. Um, two, two questions. First, how do you stay positive in your outlook on the world while still being aware of the injustices that one mm-hmm. has to actively seek out to be informed on? Mm. What a great question. It's very hard. We have to every week... Usually on usually about Saturday, I start trying to get together my pile of awful, as I like to think about it, and put all my bad shit in the show notes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then I review all of it Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. And so I do devote, basically two days a week mm-hmm. of my life are devoted to, and then I get to listen to it and edit it on Monday. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. A bunch of bad news. Yeah. But I guess, like, I mean... That shit's going on whether I'm reading it or not. True. And I think I've always known that. And, yeah. you know, whether you engage with it or not, you're all, it's always in the back of your mind. For yeah. me, at least, it's cathartic to, like, face it head on and know it for what it is and yeah. talk about it. Before doing this podcast, uh, I still knew all these horrible things were happening. I wasn't talking about it as much. And I don't think I was happier for it, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, ignoring it wasn't the solution. Yeah, no, I, I was still filled with, like, existential dread and, like, pent-up rage all the time. I yeah. just didn't get an outlet for it. Uh, hmm. Well and said. It, yeah, I know one thing that is not helpful is uh, sort of an emotional detachment from it that, like, you know, it's endemic to, like, uh, white theory bros where, like, well, you know, like, this is... Like, oh, yeah, it's terrible, it's terrible, but it's a really interesting problem. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting. I mean, like, it's not, it's it's bad, bad. it's bad, bad. but it's interesting how, you know, like, stay away from that. Yeah, I think it's getting some. I do some. some I, don't know. Yeah. I do, I do a lot of that with reaction. <laughs> no, I, like, like it, it, it happens. Like, it, I don't know how good like, it I is, did a though. Turner Diaries, of course, a two part yeah. series on the Turner Diaries, which is the most horrific, racist, violent text. And but it's fascinating. It's interesting. Yeah, I'm, you know, I, I won't I, apologize for that. No, no. But, I, I, but I think what you're talking about more is like the the detached element of it, which yeah. is that like I can be to be able to separate yourself from it is a little bit sick. Yeah, yeah. I think it also like merges with like a certain kind of masculinity that is uh, um, 
part of that, like what we were talking about earlier with uh, the engineering mindset of uh, this is just a an abstract problem, and I'm yeah. just uh, I'm just you know like objectively thinking right. about it. Like that shit sucks. Yeah. yeah, I think you guys basically took the words out of my mouth in this question, so I got nothing to add. But the the second part of this question, um, it, it comes with that engineering mindset. Yeah. Um, and do, do you want to read it, Brittany? Or sure, it, it, this is addressed to Chris, but I actually think David can speak well yes. on it uh, too. So. Assuming you did one in your program, did people take the engineering ethics class last module seriously, and do you think it could be improved? I myself am in engineering and computer science, and it seems like the ethics class in my program is often seen as an afterthought by students. I would say it is an afterthought by students. People are there to get a degree that allows them to get a uh, high compensating job in the perpetuation of the powers and the systems that are currently existing. Uh, the ethics is an afterthought not only by the uh, judgment of the students, but also the uh, constraint of the classes. The classes are not there to actually um, challenge any of our assumptions about the ethical standards of the conditions and the power systems that exist they are there to try to make you at least like somewhat aware of the fact that like there's an ethical dimension to the stuff that you do and as long as like it's not egregious then you're not going to hurt the brand of your employer and therefore like <laughs> you're going to go along to get along and like that's what it was in my experience with little exception i took some sds courses that you know really sort of highlighted through you know people's writing um some stuff that's like really really fucked up and that we probably shouldn't do at all but no actual like thrust there were there weren't marxist professors in my curriculum telling me that i needed to overthrow the systems of power and emancipate the global working class and put the means of productions into their hands for the purpose of universal human emancipation and ecological sustainable like uh living with you know congrats the, on coming up with that yeah, yeah thanks with, despite your uh, your lack of exposure yeah that was that was not something that people told me to do and it was something that i arrived at um and yeah i think that um imagine how powerful he'd have been (laughs) if they had told him (laughs) well maybe maybe that was a trick maybe it was the it's sort of it's sort of like you know when you're in a class right your teacher's your boss right and it's sort of this way when you're like a teenager and you have a parent and like if you if you're a listener with teenage kids and you understand this nothing you say by definition is cool Right. Nothing that you say is something that they will take to heart out of like a reverence. It'll always be taken from their own perspective, like the student and almost like them being the, you know, stodgy capitalist supporting like, you know, um, uh, <laughs> uh, circumstance uh forgiving and apologizing, um, you know, uh, organization that they uh, were like, I think caused me to be like, but fuck this. Like this entire class is bullshit. Like I remember being I in an ethics class. I never felt that way about my professors. Well, I had this thing with ethics and that was just like, no, you don't fucking understand. Like you, this is all fucked up in so many ways. And like, there isn't an ethical way of doing corporate capitalist business. And this was before I was like a quote unquote self-identified leftist. I was just like, no, like there. Like this is this is clearly insufficient. There's no way. Like corporate ethics is like a fucking oxymoron. Like yeah. this this is yeah. like if nature's uh, red and tooth and claw, business is tenfold. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like yeah. Hello, folks. Brittany hopping in here uh, in post production because there's some kind of audio problem that comes in and out throughout the rest of this episode. I think it's a cable. Um, one of our cables is pretty old. I think it wasn't properly connected. 
to the computer. Um, the problem comes and goes. It's pretty short. I hope it's not too horrible to listen to. Um, suck it up. Listen to it anyway. Love you. Bye-bye. Uh, so uh, uh, Chris and I are about the same age. I'm a little older. So like, I didn't teach Chris, but I did teach those courses uh, later on that Chris had taken. Right. So I, I was a graduate student in the science and technology studies program, the STS program. And so like I would often teach uh, like introductory STS, which was a required course for a lot of the engineers at RPI. And um, and it sucked like the court, the class that we that we offered was pretty bad. But um, uh, but a part of it is because it was taught as a as its own class right so like part of the problem with like teaching ethics pedagogically is that if it's separate from everything else then it's easy to compartmentalize and be like okay that's the ethics shit that's like i know how to get an a in this yeah 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 like i'll just say what what, i'll just repeat what they say and and then like i'm good and they're like oh like oh yeah you know like pipelines are bad and we should really care about the environment in today's day and age where uh um ethics and technology are so important like we should really be <laughs> going at the forefront of Listen, caring about you need to people. feel bad about yeah. this so otherwise you're not a, of history yeah, yeah so, otherwise yeah, you're not a good yeah. person yeah you yeah, know yeah. like just you don't like, feel bad I, don't, I can't tell you how many essays i graded that just yeah like started since the beginning of time technology has been essential to human development and as why we need to care about uh the technology and the people that we make and i don't know is it just like it's they know they you know kids are smart and they can pander to like the yeah issue. oh yeah. yeah yeah so but um i i i would say that you know like uh so a listener from saskatchewan you may know that a lot of engineers um in canada part of their uh, when they get accredited they are given a ring and that ring is, I don't think it's true anymore, but at the time, like when this practice started, it was forged from the metal of a fallen bridge. Uh, to re- and it was supposed to remind Canadian engineers of like how humility. important, yeah, of humility and how important their job is to Take do it seriously, correctly. To do yeah. It well, yeah, yeah, because you have this thing on your finger that you are like literally wedded to engineering disaster. It's kind of weird. I like it though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's a little edgy. It's all right, but um. Uh, but again, like as we were talking about earlier, right, like that ethics is ca- that sort of ethics is couched in do your job well, and that is ethical, right? It doesn't matter what the job, what the end result of the job is, as long as you do it as you are told, that is ethical, right? And that's quite often the problem with a lot of engineering ethics education yeah. is, is it is it begins and ends with did you do what you were told? Right. Yeah. Um, or do you feel bad enough? I mean, yeah, you look yeah. at your own prime minister, right? Yeah, like, it's also very liberal. Like, yeah, yeah. like yeah. literally tr- doing the tar sands and yeah. then like meeting yeah. with like Gr- Greta Thunberg and yeah. being like, you know, I'm something of a climate activist myself. I <laughs> went to a couple marches against yeah. myself. <laughs> I am quite self-critical. And like, I understand that like, you know, with these indigenous schools that we had, you know, like a lot of fucked up stuff happened, but like, you know, I feel bad about it. I'm not going to apologize. I think that's what's I'm going to move forward. Yeah. I, yeah. And, and therefore yeah. I'm ethical. Yeah. 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 But I, I, in, in general, engineering ethics has to uh, make a synthesis between like, as, as I think Chris was more eloquently saying, like the creation of like human made society and an environment, right? Like you have to create a synthesis of that with like, actual subjective like 
desires of how the world should operate, which which unfortunately means that like no active engineering is without politics. Yes. And so that means that it's also very um uh 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 um partisan. Right, like the desire, to, or like the, the the act of building something is an argument, and so when you build something, you're making an argument, and then that means that uh, you are either arguing against yourself when in the cases where you build something that you wouldn't build that you wouldn't build on your own, right? It's part of your job, right? Um, uh, you know, and then that's, that's kind of intractable. Like, I don't know, that's like a problem that you can't really get around. Um, and, the, and so that's why um, it's important to not compartmentalize ethics with um, engineering, because that's the point which like, you, you know, you could say like that, that this isn't something that my job should be doing yeah. right and 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 that's why we get recently like this spate of um uh 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 labor organizing in the tech sector right yeah. it's like you had a bunch of people that went to college and maybe maybe a master's program or two or some like coding boot camp where they're like yeah google says do no evil you know like don't be evil and like I'm, i want to build things that help people and this is stuff that i got to i got all the time from my students is I would make a point of asking like, if money wasn't an object, like what would you do with your time? And it would usually be stuff like food blogger. Yeah. Or something. Just saying fun. Yeah. Something fun. And, and so like a lot of them are like, I'm curious about X, Y, Z thing. And like, I just want to spend my time doing that and it should be socially productive. And a lot of these uh, Silicon Valley companies like took advantage of that and they're like no that's that's all you're ever gonna do man is just yeah. like solve we're building the global regular village people's get problem. in get in idiot yeah. you know like but and that was it was obviously not the case and you have a lot of people that for better or worse like maybe they're a little naive politically in the fact that they're um you know multinational corporation maybe doesn't care about human flourishing right you know but but good you got there right and like now you got to like figure out like how how do you merge those ethics and for me usually that means organized labor yeah for me it's uh smoking weed <laughs> um, yeah just get really high yeah cuz it's one of those things that like i just can't get uh i i can't lie to my heart of hearts when i'm high <laughs> And so, like, I don't know, we need to normalize weed smoking in ethics classes, especially for (laughs) engineers. This is is homework, guys. You have to to smoke that loud. All right. And then you have to sit with your discomfort and understand why you're uncomfortable and make peace with it. But take the lesson from it yeah so, so uh required uh uh required purchases for this class are uh you know um one dab uh, kit yeah one dab that kit. sticky icky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh an indica strain of your choice and uh and also uh you know david noble's uh america by design excellent book between him and the audience yeah. which is a big theme throughout the whole i'm so excited to talk about it you guys yeah, yeah me too it's gonna All be right. great Let's finish up this stupid main episode, whatever. This fucking so we can get to the fucking bonus. The free shit. Yeah, this fucking um, epic uh, uh, circling back to a, a whole bunch of really core material that we've discussed for so long. But <laughs> have, two years. <laughs> it's really like I'm having a really great time today. Me too. I'm having. A, I'm having a fucking blast. Yeah. And after this, listener, we're going to record our bonus episode. We're going to be discussing Bo Burnham's new quote unquote comedy special Inside. Yeah. Um, 
If you want to listen to that, you can hear it for as little as $1 a month at patreon.com slash ironweeds. Yeah, and you might want to watch it first. You should watch uh, it first. It's on Netflix, yeah. and um, it's worth watching, and I And the Pirate say. Bay. Yeah. It's very, very yeah. much worth watching. It's on Netflix and the Pirate Bay. <laughs> Is the Pirate Bay still going? Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. 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 I, I, sorry, I've heard. Can't anyway. stop the signal. Can't stop the signal now. So we have one last sort of set of questions, um, and it is from my other favorite listener. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I have so many favorite listeners. Uh, But this is all about campaigns and stuff, so um, I'll just read it. With local municipal elections rapidly approaching, or recently concluded in the case where I live, I wondered what insights y'all might have to share from the campaigns you've been involved with up to this point. You've talked a bit about canvassing door-to-door and how critical conversations with potential voters is. What about things like running ads on social media or like phone banking, which seems less and less effective as, a, as an avenue for reaching people, at least in my experience, trying to call people using ban for a city council candidate forum here. Mm-hmm. Lastly, if there's time, I'd love to hear y'all's thoughts slash speculation on the future of local municipal organiza- organizing as constituencies inevitably fragment and diverge from each other digitally and otherwise. It's such a good question. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, can I put one caveat on all the answers is that I think that this, the answer to this question actually changes, uh, based on whether or not you live in a really big city. Yeah. Basically, if you live in Chicago, New York City, Los Angeles, Philadelphia, and Boston, Boston, San Francisco, Miami, uh, I think that's pretty much it. Um, St. Louis. Saint, uh, no, I know. I think I think St. Louis is actually small enough. Portland. Yeah, but uh, if you live in a pretty, if you live in a pretty big city, um, it's the the social media game, like actually getting to people, like at the level of media numbers, yeah. is probably uh, more useful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, we've started running Facebook ads for Kiani's campaign, um, and we get you get a lot for a little. Like, we have not had to spend really very much money. Yeah. Um, and in fact, we're probably going to double our budget for Facebook ads because you just, you, so many fucking people see it. Yeah. Um, and we've had impressions, you know, but it's hard to know how much that's actually. I mean, looking at some of the folks who showed up to the, to the event yesterday, some of these like older, like white people. I'm guessing that they may have been brought in from a, from a Facebook ad and they seem to have a lovely time and I'm so glad that they came. Fuck yeah. Um, but I, but that's guessing. I don't know. Yeah, as but, with so much of this, mm-hmm. as with 98% of advertising, mm-hmm. so much guesswork. you do it. And then if things are good, you assume it worked. And if things are not good, you assume it didn't yeah. work, but there's no fucking way for you to know. Maybe we should make some iron weeds ads. I've thought about doing ads for reaction. I would. Let's. But. See what happens. Yeah. yeah. I just don't want to, I don't want. I'll give you 20 bucks. How far will 20 bucks <laughs> take you? you know? I just don't really want a bunch of uh, right wingers to. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to get bombed with yeah, one star yeah. reviews on yeah, iTunes. So that's that the biggest suck. reason I haven't advertised that it yet. Suck, but yeah. anyway. Also, thanks to everybody for reviewing Iron Weeds. We have, like, yeah. we have a lot of five star reviews. Yeah. And yeah. a couple of one star reviews. So fuck you. But <laughs> <laughs> well, that means, that means we've made it. We, yeah. We, right. You know, yeah. like, we, I, I pride ourselves in the show of like trying to not be like super fucking enemy creating, mm-hmm. you know, like I think we keep a pretty open, you know, like door for people, yeah. like, you know, like trying not to condemn people as individuals unless like they've been in positions of power and could, I don't know, like stop an ongoing cover up of a police murder. But like, you know, uh, like, <laughs> like it, a dog with a bone. Yeah. But, but, uh, you know, ultimately like, w- w- I think that we're not trying to spread 
greater levels of fragmentation and yeah. like discord and yeah. So, um, okay. So that's what I have to say about running ads. Uh, it, it, I think David's right. If you're in a larger media market, so to speak, uh, then it probably is more worth it yeah. than it is here. Cause like here, our district is so small. We can't even target it with Facebook ads. Yeah, we can only target yeah yeah the 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 smallest size that you can target is still too big yeah Yeah. it's too big so tons of people who can't vote for keani or marquita are seeing our ads you just gotta roll Um, up on their homes so that's what and that is what works like any any political campaign will always tell you door knocking is the number one thing that you should be doing yeah um which is why it was so confusing when Hillary Clinton didn't do that in certain states that, well, we don't have to, yeah. I guess we'd have to do it all yeah. over again. But, um, <laughs> so that's, that's the best phone banking. We've done some phone banking. Um, I mean, I did a ton of phone banking for Bernie, which I think was useful in a national campaign because you can't knock on everybody's doors, but you can yeah. call everybody. Um, I did a thousand push-ups for Bernie. You uh, did. It was impressive. I don't think that made much of an effect on me. <laughs> Well, campaign. he didn't win, no, so, so, you know, no. he should have done 2,000, probably. <laughs> um, we've done some phone banking for Keani's campaign. We've talked to a few people, but the problem is, like, the, the so, VAN, Voter Access Network, which um, the listener referred to in the email, is basically owned by the parties. You purchase it from the Democratic Party. Um, and it has all of the voter and every, every informa- piece of information they have about a person is in it. But a lot of the phone numbers are wrong. My phone number in van is wrong. Yeah. And Morgan was like, do you want me to fix it? I'm like, no. <laughs> no, don't fix it. Don't yeah. fix it. Um, I don't want Democrats calling me ever. Yeah, new phone to who dis. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, I would say phone banking is not as effective. And also, like, most people don't pick up their phones f- for unknown callers. Yeah. For good fucking reason. Um, yeah. It's easier to hang up on somebody than it is to slam the door in their face. So, And also, can you imagine a situation in your life you've received a phone call that wasn't a, like, hard break from whatever you were doing and in, an interruption that immediately raised your ire? Yeah, yeah, like, right. Yeah. 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 That's the worst thing that's about why, phone calls. Yeah. That's why I keep my phone on Do Not Disturb so that yeah. I don't, that doesn't ever happen to me. Um, so, you know, I think it, ha- but I think it has a pl- its place. Like, we're going to do a lot for Get Out the Vote. So what that will be is it will be people that we've already contacted who we know are in support of Keani and we will call them this coming week and probably next weekend to tell them about the primary. Yeah. Um, I, I would, I would say, yeah, like it, it, also pro tip, if you're going door to door, bring some literature with you, like a palm card or something, yep. and then you write. And if, so, and most of the time, if you're going door to door, the low side half yeah. of the doors you knock on no one's home at yeah. least or, or they, they're or, home yeah. and they don't answer because yeah. right. you're carrying a clipboard and they don't want to talk to you right and so what you do is you take that palm card and you write on there sorry we missed you just like physically write it on there and then Hugs you give it and you put kisses. on your lipstick yeah and yeah. you give it a kiss <laughs> yeah and then you spray it with like your perfume yeah yeah and then and you, call me yeah you're right yeah and then you cram it in the in the door you can't put it in the in the in the mailbox that's mail fraud that's mail fraud yeah, yeah. you yeah. have to but, put it in the door yeah. but it is it, it's smart to put it, yeah. a little like personalized thing on it because yeah. it shows a so physical much... person showed up at your door yeah and you, and you missed them yeah yeah and so much of these, you know, I think uh, Sean, the campaign manager, was saying, and and dear friend, was saying the other night that, like, people want to be on the winning side. 
Yeah. So, so much of these campaigns is about having a big presence and lots of people. Yeah. Um, because when people see lots of people excited about something, they want to get excited about that thing and they want to be, you know, on the right side. So. And, and, you know, and part of the like merger of politics and culture is also like, if you're having like a, like a, a, a you know, city council race, you know, something kind of local, throw up party throw parties throw block parties like ha- we just we just did one that we've parties been talking for volunteers, about parties for parties volunteers. for the community yeah. yeah turns out people like to party people yeah. like to party and if you show up like yesterday everybody's wearing kiani for troy shirts and marquita signs are everywhere and, and they're all so hot and everybody's attractive and so you get these attractive people in shirts and people and there's br- now you have name recognition yeah and, and i'm like i want to be like them most yeah. voters vote for whoever's name they recognize mm. that's most voters mm. maybe maybe most is m- yeah a lot of voters most. yeah so you know that's all part of the game um na- uh the the listener asks um what are your like you know thoughts speculation on the future of local municipal organizing as constituencies inevitably fragment and diverge. You know, that's tough. Like, I don't know if... I want to push back on the inevitability of it. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of what I'm thinking, well, yeah. too. Like, yeah. I, I see that as the trend that we're in right now, but I also see it as a very unsustainable trend. And I think that, like, you know, it, you, listeners of the show know, I think we're going to be back to horses and buggies, like, within the end of the century. Like, I, I just do. That's my hunch. Like, I, I, do I, too. I think mm-hmm. that that's going to happen because, you know, that's a technology that we can fall back on if, you know, global distribution and the grid goes down. It would require crazy change. We're going to be trying like, to describe podcasts to our grandchildren yeah. while we're like all huddled around a fire. Probably. Yeah. Like, you know, just this is unsustainable. It will end. And therefore, I think that it, in my opinion, is inevitably it will become less fractioned, factioned and, um, you know, because of digital, etc. Like, I just don't think we're going to get to a transhuman future of like glittering sky cities. Like, I think it's going to be a return to the basics. Um, but that being said, the trend is going that direction. And to that end, um, I think that uh, local municipal organizing is going to be the thing. You know, because I think people are going to hopefully in the accelerating climate collapse that we're seeing and the eco side understand how important location will be for their future and do what I did, which is lay down roots and like say I'm living here. Preferably next to a fresh water source. Yeah, I'm going (laughs) to die here. And like the people that I live around, like, you know, like what, what... whether they are trying to run away with my motorcycle like somebody did two or three nights ago uh, oh or they're God. like, you know, just like a, a you know, just like a, 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 wa- a neighbor that waves to me and says hi. Like, those are the people that are going to be around me. And those are the people that, like, yeah. I'm going to have a future with. Well, here's the other thing I'll say about municipal organizing and fractured communities is that, you know, elections are won by the number of people who vote. So if your community is fractured, just to make sure that you're the person with the with Biggest more fracture. fragments. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Biggest you know, fragment. I mean, yeah. that, yeah. that door open saying, come on in. Yeah. <laughs> like this isn't governance. Isn't an exercise in building solidarity. It's, it's an, it's power. That's yeah. what it is. It's power. You get power and then you use your power to do the things that you want to do. So I don't really give a shit if I should, I don't, I don't really give a shit if district five, if half, half of district five hates me or hates Kiani or whatever else. 
All I give a shit about is Keani winning more votes and getting in office and doing good things yep. for District 5 and for the city of Troy. Yep. It's not, you know, we are not living in a kumbaya era, okay? No, no. Like, we are not, but I don't think that that is necessary. It may not even be good for this kind of organizing because, like, elections are contentious. They should be contentious. It's a competition mm. of ideas mm. um, and personalities. Mm. And, like, you know, part, I think that that's kind of good. Um, but I, I guess what I will say generally that I'm very hopeful because mm. we have, like, currently working in the campaign, we have a lot of people who have experience coming off of other larger campaigns. Mm. And I think for all of us, this is sort of the closest to the inner core yeah. of a campaign that any of us have worked on. And we've learned so, so much and we've developed so much like institutional knowledge and understanding of like the bureaucracy and the kind of technical ends of what it takes to do this. Next time is going to be so much fucking easier. Can't stop, won't stop. Yeah. Yeah. And why should we? Yeah. Like. Ford momentum. We're taking over the whole fucking council. Yeah. I want one. Probably not one. I want two. I want three. I want, f I want Another all the districts. Another one. Another one. <laughs> Another one. And, and uh, um, to the degree we can learn anything from the right, you know, like the, um, you know, all these people that feel duped about Q, right? Because it is largely kind of revealed. Again, thank you, HBO. <laughs> right. That, you know, like Q is, uh, is just like, like two assholes that like just wanted to make some money and jerk some people around right yeah um and, and, but the, that q uh momentum is starting to move back into um like local like school school boards school yeah. board, yeah. Right? Yeah. and, library and that's boards. where we have to fight them which is the is next step yeah yeah dsa is already talking about focusing our uh like electoral committee on library board and school board yeah and yeah. that those are the places that energy needs to go next because so I believe it's, the children are our future. Well, I believe that I'm taxed enough. All right. I'm going to vote for somebody who won't raise my taxes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but, but we're, we're, no, I'm we, just kidding. I'm, I'm just kidding. We, we, uh, uh, I, I think it's, it's pretty clear that like the right always recognizes that like there's a lot of power there, yeah. not only because like, you know, like, yeah, the, you, you talk a lot about like federal government politics, but a vast majority of like your life is determined by like what like a used car dealer owner, uh, yeah. yeah, believes is true, yeah, and, and 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 becomes city council or mayor or something. So like, you know, like that shit matters, and like and school board can be the difference attainable. between us in twenty years having a city full of reactionaries or a city full of like civically minded, yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's those are deeply attainable. It's very it's, attainable. It's like two hundred people voting. Yeah, you know? it's like it's it's so doable. So yeah, I I would say um, I'm I'm feeling hopeful. Ask me on June twenty third. Yeah, honestly, because depending on how the primary it's goes, up. it's it, it it's been a ton Nine of work. Days. You know, I I don't know like yeah how it's going to turn out. I'm, I think we're all on pins and needles. I think that, you know, I hope that on the episode after June 23rd, you're not wearing an empty plate carrier and like, you know, just like, yeah. like making Molotovs, like, you know, <laughs> like on the ground of the studio while you're recording. Um, well, even if we don't win this election, I, I will be nonetheless glad that we did it because we learned so much fucking shit. Mm -hmm. Like we learned so many just like nuts and bolts things how to do this yeah. and so win or lose we will do it again and again and again until we have somebody on the city council who can fucking represent working people organized and protracted struggle will win yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i think that's a great note to end on <laughs> yeah yeah
This has been a very fun. That's episode. a wildflower. Yeah, that, that is the wildflower. Yeah. yeah. Um, thanks to everybody who wrote into us uh, and gave us so many questions. That was amazing. Yeah, yeah. this is a long fucking episode. Sorry about that, but you know. Yeah, I mean, you know, probably if we do another Q and A in the future, we're gonna have to not answer some questions. Our listenership is growing, and thank you so much for listening and for writing in and giving us such great prompts for such great content. Um, and we didn't have to work, which was my favorite <laughs> yeah, part. That was, it was cool. my favorite no part. Research. Pretty cool. All I had to do was copy all the questions into our show notes document. Well, hell yeah. Um, all right. Well, if you just didn't get enough from this two and a half hour long episode <laughs> and you, you need some more Ironweeds, you can find us on Twitter. Ironweeds Pod. You can find us on Instagram. Ironweeds Pod. And send us, not a question, send us an answer at Ironweeds Pod. At gmail.com. Thank you so much. We love you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Peace.